two, one. Yes! Hey everybody, it's me, Stephen Brody Stevens, and welcome to the Festival of Friendship. It's back again here, hosted by yours truly, live, coming from Burbank, California. Today's going to be a fun one. It's different. It's unique. We had such a good time back in Phoenix where uh, we had multiple guests. We had some fun. Nothing was too heavy. We joked around. That's the kind of vibe this particular podcast today and maybe uh, moving beyond into the future is going for. I had the intimacy, of course, of the uh, early on Festival of Friendships. It was a one-on-one booth, maybe my apartment, maybe uh, someplace more focused. This is loose. This is light. I have, uh, I need to make changes. And part of that was booking more guests, being social. And there's some people who want to, I, I, I need a producer. I need somebody to help out with me. And ultimately, I could do it on my own, and we'll see how this goes. I may not like this. This may be a wake-up call to me and go, I can do this on my own. Because there's already been F-ups. There's already been screw-ups. Do we have two guests here? Yes. Would, have I, would I have reached out to these guests without the, the assistance of this other guy? Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. But I need to take action. However, through those actions, there have been some distractions, and that's okay. You're listening to Stephen Brody Stevens. I'm right here. You got it. Wearing my Beverly and Wilshire shirt. This is live. Tonight, I'll be at the world-famous comedy store performing. Last night, I was at the improv. I'm not just some guy speaking into a microphone. I hang out. I walk. I get my steps in. I'm on apple cider vinegar iodine drops, reds, greens, fiber, one coffee stimulant. So uh, we're going to talk about health today. We're going to talk about confidence. We have great, funny guests. These guys are killing it in the podcast game. They're killing it in the stand-up game. They are holding their own and then some at the world-famous the most dangerous comedy club in the world. They say Guns N' Roses is the most dangerous band in the world. The Comedy Store is the most dangerous comedy club in the world. It's like the Royal Rumble every night, and if your back's turned, somebody will take a cheap shot at you. And I am have to prepare myself, and that's why I stay active. I stretch. I need to start swimming again. You're going to see me at Runyon. You're going to see me at the gyms. And bottom line, today, having these two guests, and we're going to get... And that's the thing. If I was by myself, I'd probably be able to keep going and stay focused on this monologue. But now we have guests. We have different energies in here. And it's like we're in a we're in a shelter. We're, I'm a dog and being boarded up with other animals. It's a pack culture. And you're saying, look, Brody, why are you getting to do all the talking? I know it's your place, and you're getting to do all the talking, but there is a definite energy shift. And you know what? Maybe that's what I was looking for. And that's why we booked two guests to be here right out of the gate, funny guys, go-getter guys, friends of mine, and to be honest, I was uh, somewhat surprised when they said yes to being on the podcast. Believe it or not, I have issues with asking people to be on things. I, I'm not a good asker. This guy who I, who I gave some, some, some freedoms to is not afraid to ask. 
but there are some drawbacks. You're sending links, you're texting people, and um, that's the deal. But we'll talk about that today on the podcast. My name is Brody. Let's go ahead and just go bring our guests out. Let's get it going. We're on a Periscope. So that's another thing. We're on Periscope. We're on Twitter. We're also on a podcast. So I can't possibly do it all. But I'll do this right now. I'll introduce you to a guy who is from the San Fernando Valley. We are roughly in the same generation. I'm from Bel Air. Went to school in San Fernando Valley. I apologize. I already got attacked, and that's why I have difficulty booking guests. I made a mistake, and I got jumped on. This guy is from Bel Air, and you saw the Bel Air mannerisms show on that microphone moments ago. He's got a great podcast. It's a top podcast. He's a funny comedian. He's been on the road with SNL alumnists like myself who have also done this. He was in the movie Bench Warmers. I was in a movie. He's funny. He's a good guy. He's a regular at the comedy store, plays all over the city, travels if he wants. Ladies and gentlemen, give it up for, and he's from Bel Air, though he went to high school in the Valley at Notre Dame. Here he is. Say hello to Earl Skakel. Yes, Earl Skakel, Bel Air, not the Valley. I was nervous. I made a mistake. And now I understand. It's just when you're from Bel Air, you can't be told you grew up in the Valley. But I, I didn't say you grew up in the Valley. I said you were from the Valley. Yeah, but that's, you know, that's the same thing? Because I grew up in prime Bel Air. Prime Bel Air. Yeah. Where's prime Bel Air? Right at the top? Off of Stone Canyon, mile past the Bel Air Hotel, Bel Air Country Club. You know, I never saw the 818 till high school. He was the first prince of Bel Air. I really was. And I was raised by a black dude named Leroy Prince. So I really was. Wow. Your butler? Um, you know, I don't like to say butler. You had a you had an African American butler? Uh, yes. Leroy Prince. He's the first person that died in my life that meant something to me. Like I, you know, cried more than I when he died, I cried more than when my parents died because he meant What about when Prince died? Prince died uh uh, I didn't really cry too much. So I, you grew up, I didn't realize, right there in prime Bel Air real estate, surrounded by dignitaries, hotels. Did it, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar lived over there? Three houses down. OJ lived down the street. Oh, that's a good barbecue. <laughs> Will Chamberlain. James that's a party. Con James Conn. So you would see these guys? Uh, Kareem would jog every day in the neighborhood in his dolphin shorts and his no shirt just no shirt it was like seeing the predator in the neighborhood like he was so big and you know he was a black dude in bel-air you know there were no black people in bel-air in the 70s except kareem kareem and oj well there you go and the caddies at the country club and leroy prince uh, absolutely well there you go that is earl skakel everybody growing up in bel-air you can find it out more later on in this podcast bel-air Great neighborhood. Yes. In the 80s? 70, late 70s and 80s. Would Kareem be jogging during basketball season? Yeah. I would go to his house for Halloween, and he had a phobia of corners. So his whole house looked like the forum. It was a circle. Are you serious? Yeah. He had a phobia of corners? <laughs> what was that? That's, that's my phone. I apologize. That's my phone. I made a mistake. And uh, mistakes shouldn't happen. Unprofessional kidding having a great time that's earl skakel we have another guy here yeah. who is a go-getter this guy travels he's confident 
He is on the road. He's here. He's been married. He celebrates anniversaries. He does podcasts. He has a nice car. He writes jokes. He puts the time in. I consider him a friend, an old friend. We've had our ups and downs, but if you want to, it's no big deal. I think these things get um, taken out of uh, context or blown out of proportion through the internet, not live in person. So... uh, this guy is uh, doing things, and I, I would say he would tell me, Brody, you've inspired me, and I'd like to say he is inspired. He would say, Brody, you've inspired me. I'd like to say that he has inspired me, and part of that is doing this podcast and taking action and getting a team, people to help. It's teamwork. A lot of people think that, oh, you just do it all on your own. You got to have teamwork. Earl, you do your podcast on your own though, right? Um, Pretty much. I mean, I have a friend who lets me use his music and uh, Ari Manis helped uh, show me how to edit, but now I'm on my own. You do it all on your own. Mm -hmm. See, that's one way to do it. Tony, there's a crew. Tony has a crew and I see how that works also. So Earl, solo, Tony can do solo. You can do crew. But Tony's got a crew, and I see that. I'm, I kind of need a crew right now because if I'm left to my own devices, sometimes I don't get things done. But we're going to find out more about that today. This guy is from Youngstown, Ohio, and that's approximately 500 miles away from New York City, a rough area, not Bel Air, no offense, Earl. Ohio is making decisions. The elections, presidential elections, are determined on Ohio. They've got two Major League Baseball teams. They have two NFL teams. They don't, and they have one hockey team. Yes. In Columbus. Ladies and gentlemen, you know him from his hit live podcast, Kill Tony. You know him from his special one shot on Netflix. Before everyone else was doing the specials, Tony was there. Now it's like, oh, you got a Netflix special? Okay, that's cool. This guy did it on his own. When it could be seen. When it could be seen and not saturated, not lost. You did it, and he did it on his own, much like Earl does his podcast on his own. And I'm doing this on my own, speaking right now. Ladies and gentlemen, let's say hello to Tony Henchcliffe. Hey, good to be here, Brody. Good to be back. I was on your first ever podcast, the Brody Stevens Experiment number one, Benji Aflalo and I were your guests in Red Band's living room. Oh, wow. Yeah. That was uh, literally about eight years ago, if you're wondering. I think it was 2010, 2011 at the latest. Right. And uh, I'm glad to be back here. Beverly and Wilshire is the shirt that you're wearing. What two streets do I live in between? What's to the north and to the south of me? Beverly and Wilshire. There you go. These are connections. Yep. That's where I take hot yoga. At Beverly and Wilshire? Hot eight yoga. Yep. I I I probably shouldn't have said it, but there you go. There you go. (laughs) I I, I wore this shirt because uh, I just decided to wear this. So yeah, I'm doing these. I'm doing these podcasts. I'm just trying to take action. I'm trying to be more social. I don't know what it is. Is is it? Uh, is it uh, like what drives you guys? You you're two. I would say you're you're solidified in the comedy scene. If what? I if I could say something that stands out to me from listening to this monologue and seeing what types of people that you're working with and everything, you know, yes, do I have a crew? Yes, but that grew with time. My crew grew. You know what I'm saying? And it's not something like in the beginning you have this house of cards and you're like, this is going to work and this is going to work. It's very Trumpian. 
A lot of people getting fired. A lot of people going this way and that way. A lot of people in. A lot of people out. Mm -hmm. The one thing that I've always done with Kill Tony, and I hate asking for anything. Fun fact about me, I'm the only guy that's worked with everyone and asked for nothing. Mm, Interesting. Never asked for anything. Now, here's the twist. The only thing I ask is I, I book my own podcast. I have to use my own instincts and what I'm in the mood for, what I think we did the week before, and what could happen the next week. Sometimes I book it the day of. Sometimes I book it a week out. But I think that you should make that decision. I think you should use a producer perhaps for other things that could that could be measly small things that you think are nothing that you could do. I could do it. I mean, yeah, I mean, I could do it. Maybe I'm getting lazy. Maybe I'm getting complacent. I think it's easier than you think, A, and B. You got to look at it as it's rewarding for your guests. When you have that perspective, the rest of the prophecy will fulfill itself. You're not asking them to do you a favor. You're doing them a favor Mm -hmm. by giving them the opportunity. And if you look at it that way, they'll look at it that way, and the whole thing builds like a firestorm. Because if you believe it, it'll come true. And you know who taught me that? Brody Stevens. I did? 2009. Oh, my gosh. I need to hear that advice. That's what I'm saying. I'm giving it back to you. This is the synergy. But is it guaranteed that if you build it, it will happen? If you're funny, and if it's a good product... You know, I mean, I was there in the first few Kill Tonys where it's in the ballet room, you know, 20 people maybe, and then yeah. next week 25, and then, oh, this is a good show, and 30, and the roast battle. I mean, we were yep. both there. The roast battle, I remember seeing literally two people in the room the first mm-hmm. night. Two people. Right. And now five and they years. Were the, they were the two people battling. Yeah. Kenny Lyon <laughs> and Josh Martin and, I don't know, maybe one yeah. or two other people. Yeah. If it's a quality product, people will come. If it sucks... You know, over time, people are like this sucks. But your product's not going to suck because you know what you're doing. You've already you've already built the entire enterprise. You are, which is Brody Stevens. You know you. You just got to right. let it rip now. You can't look at past things as something that defines you. You have to look at the let future. it rip. I'm going to write that down. That's it. Let it rip. I, 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 but I think also I get into my head sometimes with the social media stuff, thinking about that and having that pull me in because I started comedy before I was happier before that. Now you feel like, Oh, I got to promote, I got to do this. And you get all worked up in your head about those things. And I'm also always looking for that one, that one, maybe I'll get that one viral. That's always dangling that carrot. So I think that's kind of like taking some of my energy, but that's everyone like, right. Oh, it has. I think, I mean, I can't speak for Tony, but you're always thinking who's the one guest who could make me, go viral you know uh, like for me it's a music guest that music sites would pick up and then it just spreads like dominoes and you know you have to promote if you don't there's 10 people behind you who will i feel like it's an energy thing you got to create that energy and one of the things is it's not you know it's not a rush it's not a race oh we're not okay for example for example on monday i'm relaxing you know I had Whitney Cummings on this show for the first time ever. Really? Five years and uh, five months in doing the podcast. I finally asked and got Whitney. And why? Because there's this firestorm going on with it. You know what I mean? Where it's like, uh, where it's, I was ready for Whitney. I was ready for Whitney to see what the show is, if that makes sense. Yeah. You know, it's one of those things to where you gotta, you gotta, you, you gotta know that it's going, you're going to get better at doing this. 
So once you, once you look at it that way, that you're going to get better, that the show's not going to, it's not a sitcom where it's going to start to tank in season two. Podcasters get better at podcasting. You look at Joe Rogan now, what's he doing? Elon Musk. He didn't have Elon Musk episode three and say, oh, I didn't get it. You know what I mean? You got to go. You got to grow and you got to go. When you got to go, you got to grow. And you just do it, and you and you'll build up your audience. Is there a chance you won't build it up? Like, are there? Let's say you have all the right intentions, but you're saying I've done. I just feel, I feel like audiences are fickle. Times are changing. There's a lot of that sort of stuff that gets into my head sometimes. I can feel like the energy, and maybe it, maybe I'm just, you know, imagining it. You play towards them, you're going to die a hot death. And, and sorry for sounding serious, but you play towards any audience. You listen to any other comments. What did I hear? Oh, my God. They should be doing five minutes. You don't know what they're doing in 60 seconds on Kill Tony. They should do 30 seconds. The 60 seconds is too long. It should be at least two minutes. You got to get, you can know these people better. Right. If I listen to those buffoons out there that even think some doofus from what from with some private profile thinks they know something get out of here you know you can't listen to people who don't have the balls to do what we're all doing yeah what the podcasting or stand up anything negative from them you cannot listen to the positive things you can but what about just numbers you're looking at for example like i was on periscope i still am and i'll have if i do a periscope these days i get anywhere from like 20 live viewers to like 40 live viewers. Back in the day, I'd get anywhere from like 65 to 85, sometimes 100, but 65 to 85. It comes. I I moved out here 13 years ago with a backpack and 45 bucks. Nobody told me like how to get numbers. Nobody told me that I was going to be doing a podcast. And you want to know the cross streets that I lived at? Beverly and Wilshire. Nope. 13 years ago, when I first moved here, the cross streets were, this is not a joke, Magnolia and Mariposa, not far from exactly where we're at right now. And you know what street I live on right now? Satakoy. You just, no, you just said the street I live on. It's a long street. Magnolia. You got it. Wow. I'm on Larrabee. Yeah. Larry. Hello, Larrabee. McLean Stevenson. So, Earl, your podcast. Yeah. Inappropriate Earl, it seems to be straightforward. Or you're inappropriate, so you, you kind of like putting that out there. But I'm really not, though. I'm actually quite appropriate. Like, I've never... Because my goal isn't to antagonize my cast. No, but you might say something uh, inappropriate. Depending on who they... Like, when I had the singer from Rat on, we, you know, we might have talked about how much pussy the guy got. Whoa, that's inappropriate. But, I mean, he was the singer in one of the more successful 80s metal bands... He lived a full life. Yeah. So it was appropriate given who the guest was. So your podcast, Appropriate Earl, how many episodes have you done? I think 257. 257. And how long has the, the podcast been uh, going for? Three and a half years. And did you do a podcast before? Uh, I started one with Dean Del Rey where I would go up to his house uh, and we did like six or seven episodes. It's called Let There Be Talk. Uh, this was called Coke Party. Are you serious? And... Uh, I just got sick of going up to his house because it was a lot of traffic. Gotcha. But he inspired me to go, oh, I can do it on my own. Because Dean, is a, he does a lot on his own also. Oh, yeah. I mean, you can do it on your own. And, and Tony really does it on his own because his crew 
is really one mind. Like they all get each other. Was Red Red? Who's the crew? Who are you? Jeremiah, Red Band, Josh, Josh, Red Band, Jeremiah, Joel, Chroma, Chris. There's a whole thing. Malcolm. You guys all are on the same wavelength, right? Yeah, we we do the dance, and that took for a long years to develop. Sure, all the way. Yep. But originally it was you know Red Band, Josh, me, the Iron Patriot. I remember the Iron Patriot. See, I see people don't realize, some do, but I had a cable access show in Seattle. When I lived in Seattle back in 94, when I moved up there to begin doing my comedy, I did the Brody and Tana show. Yeah. And we had about 175 live, it was public access, that was what they, or cable, whatever it was, but in Seattle, King County, which was the second largest cable access community per capita, only second to New York City. So basically, people watch Channel 29. If you did a live cable access, like you were on regular TV, there are only 30 channels. So before internet, AOL was just starting, and they had cable up to like 50 channels. So you were on in Seattle. I was a celebrity in Seattle at Brody and Tana each week. Like I would do my show. He would be on my show, Brody and Tana. And then Tana, this is my Samoan friend, and, you know, Joey Diaz was living up there, Craig Gass, Josh Wolf, And we all did Seattle because the uh, the open mics had audiences. Everybody was that. I'm trying to get back. I had that. You know, I was doing that. That was like before my time. But we had that that show each week. I'd sign. I'd go sign up. Tana would sign up. We'd do a little video during the week. We sold T-shirts. It's good. I had a we dance. When you, oh, I see. That's what, what I'm saying. saying. Yes. I had a partner. Right. You know, and like, but I kind of grew out of it this was like before podcasting looking back on it if there was pod if you know podcasting and what they have now might have been a different story it's like i feel like I'm a, i was like ahead of my time almost no i'm not making excuses sounds like it but i was doing that i do have it in me and i'm trying to get back to that find that uh that inspiration that motivation and it might just be right in front of my face or maybe i have to dig down deep or maybe i have to really bust bust my tail and hustle i don't know but seeing you two guys it you know it uh it doesn't seem like i can do it but you're telling me everyone loves you though like uh, you know that's why you you can get any guests you want i mean i'm sure tony i'm sure tony had stuff to do today i mean like you know i had stuff i could have done but it's like it's brody let's go yeah you're right i need i yeah i need you know what i need to be social i used to have a roommate i used to be you know when i did audience warm-up i was around people every day i was eating with people when you're not working every day for example like doing the audience warm-up i'm not being social like i should and if i have the opportunity to like go home and take a nap sometimes i'll do it if i have an opportunity to go home and smoke pot sometimes i'll do it but so i I have to kind of like watch it so i'm trying to create structure and i think just booking guests because a lot of times I'll do this podcast, it's just me being silly, and yeah, it's funny, but I'm really not getting the most out of uh, maximizing my opportunities. Like, look, I could have fun here and then still do a different... I can just... I could keep doing. I see that you, every Monday, I see that Kill Tony tweet. It's happening every Monday, every Monday, and then they're going on the road, and then you see guys like, you're doing your podcast, and you see... Don Barris, every Monday, it's Ding Dong Show. It's like, there's, I need to keep up. You definitely need to do it on a set day every week and set it 
that's a big part of it. Well, I've done this. I mean, I've been doing this for over a year now. The time I've, slot? This yeah. time slot? Yes. I just don't promote it. Well, then what I would say is is create structure around your structure. So like, since you know that you do this every Wednesday, I would say if I were you, I would have my next week's guest booked by Friday night. I think we have it. Yeah, we do. Well, I mean, but I, if I, I were doing it myself, like you would be doing it yourself then I would say you would book it by the Friday night. So then all of a sudden you have another thing structured and then you can sort of semi decide what you want to yeah. do by Sunday night. You know what I mean? It's Sunday evening at six. You're like, I know who the guest is, blah, 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 blah. Oh, I'm going to do the baseball card game, the echo chamber. Cause they're, they'll be good for the echo chamber. Cause they're a little bit sillier or whatever. Like, I don't even know what you do. Yeah, I don't even know if I can do echo chamber today. It's a it's a vibe. It's a, it's I can't tell you. I'm so into a, I'm a vibe person. I'm a vibe comedian, but that's just an excuse. Here's the other thing. Now that I'm back to old Brody, meaning like I'm pharmaceutical free for 4 months. So well, I feel like you are. Oh yeah. You didn't know that? 4 months. It's been 4 months. Why'd you do that? Just out of curiosity. I didn't feel great. My body felt kind of medicated a little bit. Do you feel better now? Yeah, I feel more alert. I feel like my memory is, I'm more present. Right. I am more even. I'm a little more sensitive, uh, which is, could be good. I'm a little more, I don't say anxiety. I feel, I feel stress quicker, maybe. So I, I just want to... Um, do everything prop like exercise more, structure more. I'm just I just don't want to, I don't want to just take a pill. How's your sex drive? Because those pills can ruin your sex drive. I was on Prozac. It's the and, same. Oh, now you say you. By the way, you you take. No, I did like 10, 12 years ago. I was dating a girl who had the most amazing body you've ever seen on a woman. I couldn't get it up because I was on Prozac, and she probably thought I was gay because it was like I'm sorry. So I had to get up. Those things, like those type of inhibitor drugs, like ruin your fucking loins. Did, did, were you were you depressed? Yes. Were you you were depressed? Mm -hmm. And did it help? Uh, not really, because I started panicking. I'm like, my God, my dick doesn't work. I'm a pretty young dude back then. I've never done drugs. Why is it not working? I'm dating this girl with a, like the most amazing body I've ever seen. And so once I got off it, then I kind of just said, all right, just fight through the depression. You're into drama. big knockers. <laughs> and she had them when he but, says most amazing body you've ever seen i just keep picturing like this schlubby chick with gigantic boobs no, because no. that's what Earl loves more not than really anything. i mean if you look at my last three girlfriends <laughs> not to get this on that rant i don't have, i'm a vibe person as well like you know if you look at you know you knew gail she was yeah. like shorter and big boobs whitney was taller than uh the yeah. last girl i'm not judging any of your past girlfriends i'm talking about girls that you think you know what I mean. She had like a body yeah. of a Maxim model. Wow. Uh, right. And I literally couldn't get it up because the Prozac uh, just wreaked havoc on my libido and sex drive. And that got me almost more depressed. Yeah. So you got off it and then, and then you just focused on exercise. Like how do you yes. keep these demons away, if you want to call it, or an active mind or whatever was bringing in your, your darkness, depression? Well, this was around the time where I was probably nine years into stand-up, didn't have a lot going on, and I was like, fuck, what, what am, you know, I, I wasn't thinking of quitting, but, like, it was like, fuck, man, like, you know, when bench warmers is the only credit you have after, you know, nine years, you're like, like, fuck, man, this business is crazy. 
So, uh, you know, exercise, really. This Having is- the only credit being bench warmers is enough to uh, affect your sex life. But, I mean, it was a big movie. Uh, People like bench no, warmers. No, I'm kidding. I'm no, no, but, no, no, I know. Yeah. But, like, it, it's like, you know, you want to be seen as a stand-up, and you're like, literally... That was for years my only credit when I was brought up, and I was just a small part of the movie. Wait, when did the does the Prozac and being on it and not being on it does it affect your comedy? Um, well, no, I mean I've never had a drug or drink in my life, so I don't know what being high is like. On so you stage. don't drink? I've never had a drop, which I think. Who are you, Crystalia? Uh, I wish Crystalia has had drinks. He has. Yeah, I thought he doesn't drink. He doesn't drink, drink, but he's like he'll like. Sip a drink. I think pretty like ninety five percent sure on that. And what do you th- and do you feel like? Are you glad you haven't had any alcohol? Is it is it a pride thing? Uh, no, I just uh, I have no interest in getting drunk, or I don't like the smell of alcohol, so I know I wouldn't like the taste. Uh, but like I overindulge on energy drinks. Like oh, I, you do. I'm an addictive personality. So you have energy drinks. Yeah. Now, now Tony, you're able to. You, you'll have a drink. Yeah, I have an addictive personality too. But when it comes to alcohol, like I, it's a, I, you know, it just doesn't make me feel that great. It might lose, it might make me a little more giggly. So I'll just have like one or two, if I'm at the comedy store. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, with that addictive personality thing, it's weird that it's not affected by alcohol because it's so deeply affected by everything else. Like I quit smoking cigarettes five or six months ago, but. I'm still so addicted to nicotine that I have to, you know, smoke a vape pen and fucking... So it's the nicotine that does it for you? Yeah. See, I never... I, I smoked a cigarette once, maybe, and the nicotine nicotine made me nauseous. I had a just never had the urge to smoke cigarettes. Yeah. And then drinking, I could drink. I don't mind getting a little buzz, but it's just the driving stuff. It was like once I moved to Los Angeles... I I started smoking pot because I didn't want to drink and drive. Right, and that's what I think. I probably smoked too much pot. You don't smoke pot at all, Earl, right? I'm not against it, but I've never had it. But I'm, you know, at certain comedy clubs, it's prevalent, and uh, I get the secondhand high. So you're able to get up there and perform sober or on an energy drink. It's petrifying, but you can do it. I have to. I have no so choice. you're petrified when you're up there. I'm scared before every show. Or uh, maybe scared is the wrong word. Uh, nervous. Does it make a difference whether you're doing, say, a spot at the comedy store late night or a regular spot or on the road? Does it depend on where you're at, your nerves? Well, on the road, there's less uh, competition. Like, you know, tonight at the comedy store, we're all up there and, like, every comic is good. But like, why do you, but, but as a comedian, you shouldn't, like, a competition. Like, I know it's competitive, but you don't want to, like, compare yourself to others no but uh, you know the crowd will you know every, i yeah. mean look at the line you think so yeah oh my god 100 percent. the lineups are you know you tony me even later on in, at night you got like joe dosh candace thompson like there's no weak spots at the store so you have to even rogan said you can't even do new material there you got to bring it well you you can't take the risk of something not working when the lineups are 15 comics and 15 killers so are you thinking like right then and there you've got to do well because you want to like keep getting spots or you want to do well to like um, keep the show going or like- oh, both. And I, you know, people might think I'm lying when I say this, but uh, I want to do well for the comic who's going on after me so they can have a good crowd to go to. 
Tony, what's your feeling on that? Yeah, absolutely. Everything that Earl just said, 100%. Um, I, I, I think that there's, you know, I sort of lean more away from the uh, you can't um, take chances thing. Like, that's that's where I get, you know, I think that's where a lot of people, I mean, again, it's very, very tricky. And it's top-level heart surgery up there. But sometimes you can... You the rewarding part is taking the chance of knowing that you're gonna sneak in this new thing or try this new thing or you know you sort of keep it hidden now. Whereas before you could just open up with a new thing, close with a new thing. You know what I mean? Get trying to get that new thing to work at that level when you're when you have momentum. The guy in front of you just destroyed. I mean, it's crazy. I deal with. Uh, I deal with it just as much as probably anybody. I feel like I go after literally right after some of the most dangerous people that nobody wants to go after. And since I'm not complaining about it, I, I just keep getting it, which I love because it, it pushes you. I'm up after fucking Theo or Rick Ingram almost every single night at the comedy store. 90% of my spots, it's after one of those two guys. Maybe Joey Diaz. Every once in a while, there'll be a little padding there, you know, a little something that they have to get up. But if you see, I'll perform there. And uh... and yes, by the way, I look at it completely competitive. I think that I, I, I agree with you in the it shouldn't be competitive. We shouldn't think of it that way. But if I didn't look at this as a competitive thing, I'd I'd be I probably wouldn't even be a paid regular right now. It would, it would be a whole different mindset and thing. Like once you start to believe and wrap your head around being stealing the show, like if that's what you're shooting for, if that's truly what you're shooting for, being the guy that they remember at the end of the night, mm-hmm. then uh, then you, you can do it. I mean, let, let's take let's take like this past, what was it, Sunday night, we, you brought me up, we performed. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I feel like the comedy store now it's become so popular that the crowds we're getting are almost like they're going to Universal Studios. They're going to Disneyland. They're going to the Comedy Store. They're going to Venice Beach. It's almost the Comedy Store is a tourist attraction. That's They like comedy, but I feel like the crowds have changed a little bit. They're a little more... This is my opinion, like a little more not mainstreamy, but like checking it out to especially like on a Sunday night. Those are a lot of variables. I'd almost say the opposite. Really? Yeah, I, I think it was more we went to Universal City today 10 years ago than it is today where people actually know comedy. They listen to Rogan. They heard Rogan, Bert, Tom and Joey Diaz talking about this place. Every episode they mentioned the comedy store like it's like the intelligent comedy audience is finally coming to the comedy store. And by the way, that depends on the lineup. Sometimes yeah, you get a lineup of someone that maybe a few sitcom stars, maybe there's no Rogan types and there's no, say, Bill Burr types. You know what I mean? It changes like, it. Right. If, if, it's, if it's more like of a famous throwback type of lineup, then you'll get janky people. You get old movie stars in there, old sitcom stars every once in a great while. Mm-hmm. There's a lineup where there's like three or four of them in a row. That's where you're going to get a doofy audience. That's where, especially in your spot in the main room sometimes, because that's where they'll put those types of people. Mm-hmm. 
the throwback comedians early on in that show. Right. If that's what draws them there instead of them going to the original room where there's, you know, Duncan and Rick and whatever, you know, like sort of like a different I mean, that's cooler what... vibe. You're going to end up at the end of those shows in your position feeling that way, that they do seem touristy because they sort of are. That's a more sitcom uneducated comedy crowd. Anybody who's ever dabbled in podcasting is going to go to the right show on the right night to the right club. It's sort of like... I did a spot at a comedy club last night, and I don't want to name the name of it, but some people say it's the second or third best comedy club in L.A., and I've never even thought that. It's nowhere near that to me, but it's a very famous club. Okay. And there's eight people there, and I know for a fact, which is, which is crazy in itself, because it, how do they have eight people there if I'm on the lineup? How's that humanly... That's impo- it, it sounds impossible to me, because mm-hmm. I fill up the main room every Monday for every Monday, a weekly show for my show. That's an hour and a half Mm -hmm. and they can't get humans there. And I could tell that the eight people didn't pay, that they padded the room with free tickets, free guest list, giveaway, sign up here. So they're not coming to this particular club on a, this particular night. And there's nothing harder for me than to, than to want to make that type of audience laugh. Well, you did fine. I saw it. You're going to the wrong club. You're going because it's free. You don't know what you're going to see. They also, they didn't want to sit where the people wanted to sit them around the stage. You know, these are people, oh, I don't want to sit up front. I got to sit in the back. So that on top of free, wrong club, they don't know what they're doing. They don't know how to enjoy themselves because they want to sit around and scattered. Oh, they don't want to be right. oh, fear driven. Right. Those are the types of garbage tourist audiences that I don't like. Well, I mean, these audiences were there last night. I'll just say, like, I'll never get down on a small audience. They were there and they did they did they did what they could do. But, yeah, it would have been nice to have more. Now, hold that thought. Earl. Well, what's your what's your take on this? Do you feel I'm, I'm talking comedy store? I'm talking that original room. I could just feel it. I look at it. Let's take Joe out of Joe and some of those heavy hitters out of it. Well, leave him in it though. But I, but I'm saying like these audiences, I I feel like they're like if you do too much stuff out of the box, sometimes they may not go with it. They're not used to it. Well, it depends when you go up. Like you know, like Tony said. Exactly. Yes. Like I don't mind going on later because they've seen it all. They've heard it all. They've heard every Trump joke. They've heard where are you from. You know, so they're open to more wacky humor. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, the comedy store is like a podcast comedy club now because you look at most of the popular comics now. It's Tony, it's Joe, it's Bert, it's Segura, it's you. It's you Thank know, you. Don. At the, but it's true, though. Like, Don. podcasts are like the opening part of your set because they hear you on this or Kill Tony or mine. Mm-hmm. And they go, I want to see this guy or girl, you know? Yeah. Uh, so it's podcasts are like... I think the new first five minutes of your set because it gets people to want to see you. Yeah, I will. I want to. I want to say getting back to the competition thing. Like my mindset when I go up in the main. I'll say in the. We'll just use this past Sunday night in the OR if I get a decent spot. I'm just trying to do the best I can do. But that's what it is. That's what competition is. Is doing the best you can do. Right. right. I know if I'm Brody, I'm sure. funny. I'm having fun. Yes. I'm going to hit a double, triple, maybe a home yes. run. Who knows? But if I'm having fun, I'm liking it, going for it. I feel that uh, you know that's on me. And yeah, I guess sometimes 
when I, I don't feel it's the other comedians. I feel like the other comedians, maybe they bring in a certain crowd, but they I don't think they have any, if anything, I'm different. So, I mean, we're all different in our own way. I'm just saying, like, I block out the other comedians. I'm more of, like, crowd. I pick up on the crowd vibe. And sometimes I get just mad at the crowd. I get on these new crowds are, like, they're kind of, they're, they're coming to the comedy store to see something. Whereas, like, I do the main room at the very end. Like, like they've seen it all. Then I can really play. These crowds are coming, like, make me laugh. I want to see. I get it. And that's the way it is. But sometimes you can't really be loose and really do that creative comedy. I guess we're saying the same thing a little bit. Yeah, we are saying the same thing. It's just all about perception. I mean, UFC, those guys are trying to do the best that they can do. Sure. But you also got to fucking beat your opponent. You got to do it. Yeah, like a, like an L is an L. I never blame the audience. I didn't say I didn't like that audience from last night. I said there's nothing. I think I said at least there's nothing harder for me than to try to want to make a dumb audience laugh. It has nothing to do with the size. It has the fact that it's. I'm going with the fact that they went to the wrong club. They went because it's a free show. Right? Right. Well, last night was rare. Last night sure. was like midterms. It was weird. Sure. But the store was packed. Yep. You know, the I store mean, was packed. Because oh, yeah. their lineups are in the OR, Ari Shafir in the main room. The OR lineup was strong. Roast Battle was still packed. Where are these comedy audiences coming from? Are they coming from all over the place to come to Los Angeles to see the comedy store? They're making trips. Are they. Uh, are they. Yeah. Is it everywhere? Southern California is huge. A lot of people now are driving the hour and a half, two hours away from all around here to go to the comedy store. They'll drive the drive back. Albums and podcasts make the drives easier now. So you can have an entire comedy field trip and Southern California is huge. So when they go and they visit family from Minnesota, Minnesota coming to visit their family that lives in, you know, Tahunga or whatever, mm-hmm. they're they make a trip. Do you notice, Earl, like your audiences getting bigger, more receptive? Do oh, you yeah. pick up on that through your podcast? What's well, because through, of that? Let's do roast battle. Let's do you know, you know when I'm dying up here was on the air. People, well, I you know even though it was a small part of that, they would still recognize me from it. And the cartoon, like it's so everyone's on TV at the store, like in some capacity. So that's a huge commercial for the comedy store. You know, the Jellies billboards are all over the city now. So it's like, you know, people who are fans of that show, go, oh, that's the guy from the Jellies. Let's go. Or, you know, it's, and Roast Battles helped me a lot. Watching the old episodes or. People go and they like how me and Tony would do the pro wrestling. You know, basically me and Tony are the only ones who do like the, the show and the pro wrestling style delivery. And people love that. They go, we want to see that guy who came out in the armor. We want to see that guy who was in the leather pants and oiled up. They're both comedy store guys. Let's go there. And is your, are your energy levels still up, Earl? Do you want to like still play around and be involved? Is there, or is this, you want to just take what you got and push it? I mean, I'm so honored to be passed at the store. It's, it's like getting your name on the Stanley cup. You know, it's, the number one club in the country by far and the talent level is i mean there's not one bad comic up there there might be comics up there who aren't your style you don't like high energy or low energy or my energy but i don't think you can argue with someone on the line and go they shouldn't be on it you know so why i mean why can't other clubs try and adopt that philosophy why is not say 
I mean, the Laugh Factory seems to be getting a little bit better. I did the show the other night. Don't there, say that. No? Don't say that. You would say a, no. Don't say that on a show where there you can confuse your listeners. I'm just saying some of the other... Don't, don't just... Don't... You don't... Please. Wait, what did I do? I'm a little offended. Tony, what just happened? I agree you said with Tony. That, you said that they're doing something right, and they're just, they're, they've never done anything I'm saying, right. when I'm saying stuff right, I'm looking at the social media attempts. I'm looking at their... They're posting people's sets. Like, they're so out of line, it's crazy. The they're, Laugh Factory is so out of line. I'm sorry, but I wanted to make sure... I, and that's oh, for I your listener's sake. I'm... I'm being, I, you I'm know, being here, a friend, and here's the deal. Yeah, I'm not going to disagree with you on that, but I'm in this. I'm in the position where if the Laugh Factory wants to take one of my little quotes and put it up, I'll go ahead and do it. That's part of me, like saying, yes, instinctively, I don't feel right about it, but I'm I'm, I'm supposed to be gung ho, right? Go ahead and do it. Again, you're you, that you're, but you're putting yourself in position by doing that to feed trolls to get negative energy and negative feedback. Because how do how do you end up looking at the Laugh Factory's video board? What type of human do you have to be? So I'm just watching comedy videos at the at the Laugh Factory YouTube. Like what? They're just wa- like. I mean, no. there's a lot of Laugh Factory comics who wouldn't have a chance at the store. It's just yeah. I mean, li- I mean, look at their lineups and look at the comedy store lineups. There's some good comics, you right? Know, a lot of crossovers, you know. Yes. But you look at some of the people they put up, and it's like, okay, sh- she's an Instagram model. Uh, he's. Uh, friends with the booker from you know the dublin's days so what if you're not getting spots say at the comedy store or these other that's different and then so i mean are you you're not saying don't do the laugh factory i'm saying to your listeners don't go to the laugh factory okay your odds are better to go to some bringer belly room show and hope and pray that Chappelle stumbles in than to go watch some dog crap show at a place i don't even i don't i have i cannot for the life of me figure out him they must own that building or something right like how does he pay that rent how about the long beach one it's like an amphitheater now here's but here's my thinking on that again what you guys are saying i don't disagree those are feelings like you i i go there to the laugh factory and it's not as fun as the comedy store well that's the and by the way sorry to cut you off but that's the answer to your overall question what do these other places have to do what are they missing that's the answer fun yeah they just have to make it fun for the comedians it is so easy the few places that i've ever been to that have figured this out are all completely famous right comedy works the stand in new york city the cellar takes care of their comedians they have the area for them to hang out the stand has an area for their comedians to hang out the comedy store has seven areas (laughs) for their comedians to hang out and that's a huge part of the comedy store's success it's the biggest part because that's how they get the lineups because it's cool and fun to hang out there and that's the other thing paint your place black Enough with this blue and yellow comedy club. I agree. Purple and green and orange and get it out of my face. Look, I go to... I agree. The, yeah, the Laugh Factory, Laugh is, it's factory. like McDonald's. It's yep. bright. It's, it's there. The audiences aren't really that smart necessarily. You know, they don't always get it. And they're, it's, it's, it's a lot of... It's Persian. It's San Gabriel Valley. It's Beverly Hills. It's... You know, people going out late at night, like club kids almost. Clubs with great green rooms. Cobbs. But I like the comedy stores like Metallica. It's just a kick in your face. You know, two hours of just 
greatness, whereas the Laugh Factory is like a boy band. And yeah. Do, do you think uh, the Comedy Store? It's. Um, I mean, so why? Because it. It just works because it works. Just everything, just a perfect storm of it the podcast. It works because there's pla- multiple places for the comedians to hang out. That is the secret. But that was always the case there, wasn't it? But it's also the talent level. I mean, yeah, you know, it's insane. Like, I hate to keep saying that, but like, the lineups are just... And those guys are hanging out because of how cool the place is. But wait, going back to what you're saying is, yes, the comedy boom helped. Sure. Right, this new but comedy, that, boom. but that was a ticking time bomb anyway. But it's a, it's, you got Rogan, you got the pot, the podcasts, and you've got well, the I mean, roast, roast battle. battle. Still, I think uh, it doesn't get the credit. Like that was the first show that broke in the new era of the comedy store, where it was like, let's go to the comedy store on Tuesday night and hang oh. out. Even if you don't like roast battle, you know, in the roasting world, it was still like John Mayer would be up there, Chappelle would be up there. You know, Jeff brought in all these celebrities, and there was a vibe for the first time in a long time. And who worked on the burn with Jeff Ross? Tony and Brody. Yep, we were at the burn with Jeff Ross, and that was was that going on before Roast Battle? Oh God, Bro- yes. Oh yeah. So the burn was before Roast Battle. Years before Roast Battle. But like Roast Battle gave the store like a cool thing to let's go there on a Tuesday night. I mean, it was insane those first couple of years because it was a wild show back then. Who kept the store going? Who kept in those dark those dark days? Would you say the late night guys, the Don Barris, the, sure. you, the guys think, like yourself working there? A, yes, no doubt. There was a new crop of door guys that made it so that it wasn't an unwelcoming energy when you first got there. That was huge. That was an epidemic when I first got there. It was literally just six angry Olignies hanging out, just these demon seeds with their oversized soda pops and just bad attitudes. I'm saying if Oligny had a bad attitude, at least he's got a good attitude. But there was like these guys that were like, you know, like beat up. They were mean. They were mean. Even like Tommy Foster, that kind of uh, antagonistic he would fuck with guys, and that's the old talent coordinator. But but it was going on before and, Tommy got And I think we there. were part of his manipulating them, too, because all of a sudden he got this new crop of nice little, like, doe-eyed puppies, me, Matt Edgar, Sandy Danto, like, and these guys were like, what are, what are you doing trying to get rid, you know, what are you going to, what are you going to boot us out of here with these, you know, these pussies? Right, exactly. And it's like, Tommy, I think, was fucking with them. And by trying, of course, and I think uh, as crazy as it sounds, I think that this was his way of trying to get them to get the final push and breakthrough for them. Like, yeah, dude, he wouldn't say this, but yeah, dude, I am doing that to Mm -hmm. push you guys out of here. Or you could have a fucking breakthrough and leave me no choice. Be undeniable. Undeniable. But that was, you know, Adam is straightforward with whoever he's dealing with. The booker, Adam. Tommy would like not be as direct and honest and he would encourage guys to hang out and he had no intentions of passing them and so that created this bitter vibe up there and you know say what you want about Adam but like he'll tell them hey what you do isn't for me or what you do is for me Mm -hmm. so at least you know going up there where you stand and so people aren't as bitter and angry I was lucky I got passed pretty much right away back in like 2000 Mitzi passed me and the spots that I did get, they're always like late night spots, comedy, uh, original room, 1230, one o'clock. I was getting those once or twice a week. And I kind of like 
rose above it, meaning like I, I was already used to the the late night stuff, the craziness. I was like brought in on that, and I would see. But some of the guys, it was intimidating, like Chewy working the lot. If you remember the old lot guy, and then- dude, I had to do it twice. When Tommy was gone, when Tommy, when Adam took over, I had to. I I literally went from. I worked my way all the way up to, I remember that week that Tommy got fired. It stood out to me because I specifically had two 930 spots. Mm -hmm. He had realized, because he gave me like one the week before and one the week before that, like amongst other spots throughout the week, right? But 930 really stood out to me because it's the opener. And then Argus Hamilton, who's like a throwback, clean comedian Mm -hmm. in a suit. And then I was coming up and getting to sort of just this young evil smasher out of yeah. nowhere and the energy in the room changes fast at 9 30 because they're still awake and alert so it really stood out to me and i had two of those that week and then the next week i don't know if it was this abrupt but then the next few weeks i was all the way back to like you know mid 90 12 15 because adam was figuring it out right and and some people like i i mean i don't know who else had it exactly like me but I'm a, t- you know, I'm a weird sort of cookie because I'm, you know, whatever. Anyway, but I had to work my way up again. So I had finally, I mean, think of, you know, when you everybody said has a different path and everybody thinks their path's the hardest and the worst and this and that, right? But I went through that the ultimate fight of undeniability, which was, oh shit, I have to do this again. I had just beaten the Tommy game. Like right. I, I, he had seen enough sets. He had seen me take chances. He had seen how I recovered, how I opened, how I closed, how the, all, all the bad habits I had to get rid of. And Tommy was always in the room. He worked the freaking. Well, I don't the, know. He was always in the room. He'd well, go upstairs to uh, later on engage yeah. in the hippie lettuce and sing some songs. Sure. But he was in that. He was in that cover booth a lot of the time. In the early part of the show, I would see him in there. While yeah, I was in- he was in there a lot. It was just. Um, yeah, for me, I, I, I just take the, I take what I can get and try to squeeze everything out of it. I don't know, like, I mean, they were giving me that. La- I had that last spot, and I still do in the main room. They give it to me, and I, I like playing that. And I think Adam's doing a great job. You know, I don't want anything that I'm saying no. to get twisted. It's that it's just that yeah, I you know he that that's how you know he's doing a great job is because I had to. He made me prove myself again. Yeah. You know what I mean? My base, I, it was like getting almost like getting like flunked, uh, flunked a grade because he wanted to make sure that I wasn't, you know, just some one of Tommy's bullshit projects. Right. Like it's like I had to fucking prove to Adam I, over and over and over again, which, by the way, a little fun fact, because we all, you know, like I say, we all have different paths. I have tried. <laughs> Adam never like n- almost basically never watches me. He do doesn't stand have up. to because right. he trusts you. I know, but I also think it goes both ways where it's like, you know, he'll watch some of his... I don't know how... You know what I'm saying, though. But yeah, you're right, too. Anyway, fuck it. I, I, like, I mean, can I say this? Yeah, you ahead. were the reason when I first went up to the store, uh, you were the reason I left the store for a while. Uh, I told you this before, I know the story. But it's a funny story because you were hosting Potluck one night. And Potluck back then was brutal. I mean, you know, you had Danish and O'Neill hosting and, you know, Dave Taylor hosting. And they were just... Sunday nights, right? They were aggressive in how they would host. And uh, one night this kid had bombed pretty bad. And uh, you came up there as the kid's running off stage. He's like, where are you from? And the kid's like, La Jolla. 
And you were like, well, that drive just got a lot longer. <laughs> the kid ran out crying. I'm like, I, I don't think I'm ready for this place. Really? And that sent you away and got, yeah. you, on, got you on Prozac? <laughs> well, no, I can't say you got me on. But I knew then I wasn't ready. If that was said to me, I would either hit the host or, you know, I wasn't mentally ready for the store back then. Because I don't think, you know, people think roast battles are rough energy. And we were both up there last night and we were both getting shots in. But, like, back then, it was a dark, evil, like, you had to be a very strong, mentally uh, equipped person. And I wasn't at the time. Yeah, you just have to kind of ride, ride above it, I guess. It's hard. It's not easy. It's not easy. And, I, I again, I was, I was doing warm-up. I was able to do that. But I came in. I took what I could get and do my... You had to be almost psychotic to do it when <laughs> yeah. we were doing it, really. Like, I mean, I, looking back on it, it was sort of crazy what I was doing at times. Starving. Starving at times. Starving. Hoping, and without ever asking for it, that Don would take us to a diner and pick up the bill at the end <laughs> no. of the thing. Like, I mean, just hoping. And he always would. Yeah, I mean, yeah. do you think that I hoping that I'd be able to find a ride home? One, I think one night you took me home to Burbank early on, right? Yeah, that, I gave you a ride home yeah. to Burbank. You too. I was like, fuck, where's this guy live? Oh man? my god, I didn't god. even know him really that well, but I, you know, we always got along. You know, for whatever reason, we just vibed. And can you give me a ride home? And when someone says that at the store, I'm just saying, oh, like Fairfax and Santa Monica. This motherfucker was deep into Burbank. So, do you guys still get down? You still do your like. Of course, man. Everything that everything that you have, it happens. It, it, you know, one fucking rough morning, not enough sleep, just travel, blah, 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 blah. This happened, that happened. Someone got sick, someone died, blah, 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 blah. And you're, you're not human able... if you don't get down in this right. business, whether you're successful at whatever level or you're not. In fact, I could almost argue that, you know... It's like that more money, more problems type of thing where it's like the farther you get, the, you know, boom, boom, boom. There's a, you know, an opposite reaction to everything to where. Yeah. So how do you do it? How do you high highs? So how do you do it? Like Earl, your podcast is getting popular more and more. But even you're going out on the road more and more with the podcast. Numbers are up. I just stay so busy that I that I literally don't have any time to be a baby. Yeah, if you're so busy, you you don't have the time to think about. Um, and how are you? Are you making yourself busy? Are these gigs coming in? Is it travel? Is it writing? Is it returning emails? Is it exercising? Is it being uh, a good doing a husband? Yep, all of it. A good dog owner. So it's filling up your schedule. Yeah, if and you, you do that. You have to. If you sit at home all day going, I mean, I did that for a while with Roast Battle because I had felt slighted on the show. You know, I would sit there and go, fuck this guy, fuck this person, this exec. And I was like, I can start working out more. I can start writing more. I'll get the podcast up and running a little better, you know, getting bigger guests. And, uh, you know, because you'll go crazy if you sit at home not busy. So for you, the Roast Battle not being taken to the next level with those guys, that kind of inspired you a little bit? Oh, it definitely made me uh, motivated to. Uh, I thrive under being. Uh, I don't like saying bitter, but like, I'm super honest. So I was honest with my feelings on things that had happened, and it drove me to go. Okay, you guys are gonna fuck with me. I'll 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 take it to the next level on my own. Oh, now are you? Are is this have anything to do with like money? Are you guys are people are comedians driven by money and six that sort of thing, or is it more about I just want to be the best? Money will come, but I want to be a great comedian. I want to inspire. I want to leave a legacy. 
I want to help people. I yeah. want to. I want to buy things. Is it all of that? Is it some of that? None of that? Is it a chip on your shoulder? It's really the all of the last thing. The money will come. I think guys like us that take that comedy store path have already made that decision. At step one, yeah, the money will come in the long run when the big breakthrough happens. The spinoff to the spinoff of Kill Tony will probably be what makes me rich. Right. So it's it's. That's what I tell people. I go, if you're funny, work on being funny, and then people will come to you. Yeah. I mean, if you're in it for the money, you'll quit after six months. You yeah. know, it, uh, and you know, Rob Schneider gave me the best advice ever, and he said he got it from Steve Martin. He's like, become so good they can't deny you, and it sounds like no shit, but it's really the best advice I could ever give anyone. I was never more fired up than when I had to go through that period of. Am I fucking about to lose my spots at the comedy store? Does this guy really fucking think that this is where I belong? I mean, it was... I used to have nightmares in which I was on stage and Tommy's in the cover booth. This is when I first started. Like, for years, I had this repetitive nightmare where, you know, it was just a shitty crowd and the sound was bad and I was yelling about how fucked up everything was mm -hmm. i'd be yelling but i could barely hear myself even though i'm on the original room stage and the audience is just looking at me all confused and it was a nightmare because that's a that's what a nightmare is once you become a comedian is you know things not going well and you not deserving this treatment or whatever you know what i mean mm -hmm. being fired up i think it really helps comedy store people not getting gigs you know how mad I am that they cast Joaquin Phoenix as the new Joker? Why why cast already famous actors to play these roles where they're not breaking anybody new? Todd Phillips, he's directing. He didn't bring me in, right? To be to reprise my role. They the just hangover. did. Uh, I almost got a role on something a couple weeks ago where I would be playing a uh, where I would be. It was a it was a decently big role for me, and I would have played a gay guy, a famous gay guy freddie mercury in fact i'll just come out and say it for something other than that big movie mm -hmm. that came out mm -hmm. and uh they said that they were going to cast a gay guy and i'm like wait a second everybody thinks i'm gay i should get that role that's the joke on me from everybody right. and myself your I've face been called the, is gay i've been that. called the f word on comedy central unbleeped so how do i not have a chance at that they're like well we need to cast a gay guy i'm like so if i put my if I put my penis in a man's butt, I have a chance at this role is what you're telling me. And they're like, well, I, I mean, I, we didn't think of it that way, but I mean, I guess, I guess if you do, then maybe you do. Like, it's literally like, what is happening? And, and my point is with the, these complaints is this is the stuff that's firing me up today. Where were they casting the studs theater? And they told me I six years ago that if you want to be on a Comedy Central roast or do this or do that. You had to build your own following. You had to do it yourself. And now what? Now what? Now what? Now, I, now I've done that. Mm -hmm. And that, and that, and that, and that, and that, and what? So that's the stuff that fires me up now. You got, I, I need that fuel. Oh, Just yeah. like what Earl was saying was like, I mean, if you, if you don't take the negatives and use them as human fuel in this business if you use them as negatives oh you can, you can turn negative stuff into positive stuff if you're yeah. of a clear mind and go okay they passed on me for this guy for yeah. whatever show all right let me show them uh, the mistake what about turning a positive into a negative 
you ever do that? Like, I, I feel like I've been given opportunities and I haven't cashed, not cashed in, but taken it to another level. I feel like I've had some opportunities, relationships, even getting back, for example, to the Joker movie. Todd Phillips is directing it. Todd Phillips directed The Hangover. Todd Phillips has an office on the Warner Brothers lot, Green Hat Films. I was doing the pre-Periscopes pre for Undateable with Chris D'Elia and Ron Funches and all those guys. So I was over at the Warner Brothers lot. So one afternoon before the taping, I, wa I walked around and I went to the Todd Phillips' office. I don't know if I knew it was there. I just I had some time. I just walked and was saying, oh, maybe Todd will be in there. Todd Phillips was in the office. I walked in. They go, Brody's here. Oh, Brody. So I came in. In the back, this is like almost three years ago, and I was talking to Todd. He was all excited. Brody, you're the funniest guy. I see your name on the marquee. He said, and he liked Joe Rogan. He was asking about Rogan. He goes, you know, don't be, don't be shy. Call me. Give me a call. And you know what? It's like I didn't follow up necessarily on that. Like I could have maybe, you know. So that's an example of like I could have followed up on that. And also I've done comedy for like some baseball guys. But here's the thing. I feel like. I don't want to be that guy, you know, like scaring people too much, like reaching out. I don't know. It's a little sensitive. Sometimes you just got to go for it and text somebody and not it, worry about it. But if you do it in the right way, I don't think people mind. Like I've seen people go up to Rogue and say, hey, let me be on your podcast. Like they're like literally like that. And it's like, that's not going to get you on the podcast. Right. You know, and I'm sure Tony gets asked by open micers, let, let me, I'm funny, let me, you know, Tony will find you. Joe will find you yeah. if he wants you. But I'm, you found us. Yeah. You, you know. But it's like, but I'm friends with baseball players. You know, Clayton Kershaw, I did his 30th birthday party mm -hmm. in Texas. They flew me out. I got onto that somehow and did it earlier, just past February. I didn't follow up with him this year. I didn't text him and say, hey, can I go to Dodger Stadium, show my face? I don't know what I would have done, but, or I could have, Kershaw on my podcast. I just, I don't even, I don't think about, I took I took all those favors, if you want to look at them as favors, on my Comedy Central show, you know, asking people to be on it. And I had also had a team helping me. You, you were on it, I know, and we had like Tom Arnold and Chelsea Handler. I just feel like today I'm so flat-footed in a sense of like going for it. I'm not going for it. I'm like two in my head. But today is a day that I went for it. And you guys, you know, are giving me that, you know, that a little bit of that motivation. But you're iconic in, in the L.A. comedy scene. Like, yeah, you should be utilizing that to your advantage. You, you should be sending silly text messages to Todd and to your friends and to everybody. Yes, beautiful day. I yeah. used to do that. I yeah. mean, that's the thing. I used to, like, always call Zach. Yes, Brody, you got it. And then everyone got away from, you know, cell phones or phones. And then people got away from... Social media feels like I'm mean, again. I'm making excuses. I could call people. I could leave a message. But they love you, dude. Like yeah. everyone loves you. I've never heard. Twenty years I've been doing this. I've never heard one bad word about you. Not one. It's you could all find, about. You could a, find that kid from La Jolla. Well, he's disappeared off the face of the earth. <laughs> but like you are in the position to call up anyone you want, and they would come do this podcast. Well, I need to believe that. But you are though. We're not bullshit. I know you're not. I need to believe that. Let's, uh, you know what? We had we had him on the pre-podcast. Mm. <laughs> Let's go ahead and get this guy's opinion on how things are going. We'll mm. talk to him, and then we'll, we'll wind this thing down. Because he did, this, this was a good podcast. If we stopped right now, it was good. It was informative. Tony pouring his heart out, being completely honest. Earl pouring his heart out, being completely honest. 
I'm listening. I'm doing this thing. We're not being too silly. I think it's good. Let's get this guy's perspective. He helped put the show together today. I don't know if he's keeping time. I don't know what he's doing, but uh, let's bring him up. We've got the mic set up for him. Ladies and gentlemen, this was your one of your... You were a part of this today. Here he is from Tampa, Florida, Eric Oligny. Hey, hey now. What's up, Brody? Wow. How How is the podcast sounding from over there on the seat? Yeah, it was a great podcast today. It was really interesting. A lot of funny moments. Um, I felt like you could have called your mother in sometime in there. Like you call your mom every day. El- I do call my mom I every day. I think you should have called while you were talking to Tony and Earl. I thought that would be pretty Why funny. don't you go ahead and send him a link then? Oh, I'll send him a link. And- to your mom's number. But See, Eric, that's the thing. The reason why I didn't call my mom is because my mom, I don't want to bug her right now. She's 87. Daisy's been acting up. So Daisy's at the borders. My mom has some... <laughs> Daisy's a little gangster dog, yeah. and like she's, Lois. Yeah, she's a refugee right she, now. She's getting into trouble, and then we put Daisy. My mom, my mom can't contain Daisy necessarily. I can't contain her, so Daisy's at the border, and I don't want to bring my mom onto a Periscope. I mean, on a podcast where she's got that kind because of, it's only been a few days. But apparently, you know it all. No, I was just saying. I thought it'd be funny. Sound effects theater or one of your games. But here's the deal, Eric. These games for me are, are organic. Do you think I thought what we did with Earl, Tony, and myself, pretty good podcast? Can I tell it you why? Podcast. Though? It's a good podcast because we all know how to listen. I know when he's about to stop talking, same thing with all three of us. So no one talked over each other once. We're doing the dance, baby. We're doing the dance. That's but but I, we're all pros. Like we all have done however many podcasts we've done. You, you, you can tell when. It's chemistry too. We all have three. You know, we're all comedy store freaks. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, same sense of humor, relatively. Now, Eric, you did you think that I should have done? So you're saying, call my mom. Should I have done sound effects theater, baseball card game, game, echo some of your chamber? Games added into it. It's part of your podcast, so it, it would be funny with the guests on there. The sound effects theater would have been funny. Um, echo chamber, any so, of those things. But that may have taken away from the seriousness or kind of like realness we were but getting maybe into. That's, maybe that's a good thing to get a little lighter. And when you're in, you're going dark, you get a little lighter at times. I don't know if a phone call would have worked with this group because it would have been, I think it, it would have been, uh, so, she would have known when Tony's talking and then I interrupt Tony and then she interrupts you. It would have been too much. I, yeah, you know. but the sound effects theater. So you're into that? Yeah, I think it's a good idea. It's part of your podcast, part Why don't, of Festival of Sports. And okay, you know what I'll do? Why don't we do the baseball card game? Okay. Yeah. Now, Eric, did you prep these guys on what the baseball card he game over-prepped. is? I overprepped. Yeah, them. he sent us an hour and a half link. I got you two more views on your video. Jesus. Like, what, what, what made you think that this game even needs explaining? <laughs> well, we explained it on that podcast that I sent them. So it did need explaining on that. 1991, maybe I can get a uh, Tom Browning. uh, There you go. There you go. Yes, Greg Maddox, rookie. Eric, all I'm saying is you sent them a long link to to my video. Not even like look at minute five. It was like a a 90-minute link of a video. Mm -hmm. Then... It was also to my Facebook page where the videos went. <laughs> yeah, get those numbers up on me. <laughs> I know this guy's schemes. And are I, you smoking cigarettes? Yes. Right now, no, yes. But you smell like cigarettes a little bit. Yeah. I thought someone farted. Tony, you don't smell like cigarettes. No, not at all. I smell like a new car. 
he quit smoking cigarettes listening to Jewel. That's my what? joke. That's my joke. I quit. I quit smoking cigarettes listening to Jewel. Afterwards, uh, me and there's Tony, a bit there. Me and Tony's cars are going to battle each other. I would. I would say. I would say that the way to do that joke is actually because I get it because I smoke a Jewel. But right. I. I would say uh, I quit smoking cigarettes and now I just Jewel, the musician. Like or it's like and now I'm hooked on now I'm hooked on the Jewel. She's a great singer. Like that's like. I'd Brody it up a little bit. Brody it up. I like. I always it. like it. The Brodyism. My favorite Brodyism is to do the joke and have the tag be the funniest part. That's a true Brodyism. He made a good one the other night, Greta Van Fleet. But he said, uh, "You're into Greta Van Susteren." I said that. Yeah. So Eric, how do you feel about today's podcast? As I'm, I think it was I'm really going to pick out a card. I thought it was really great. I think you. Uh, I think you really do bring out a lot in everybody, and what they're saying is spot on with you. You could do the. I fly Rosita Airlines. Yes. You could book the guests yourself and probably get better guests because the fact that you know these guys are great people. guests. What better are you saying? Eight one eight till I fly. Enjoy it. I'm, ta- nice, I'm not private. talking about now. I'm talking about in the future. I only. I only have this handful of comics from the comedy store. You know. Ed gave that two stars to David. You got it, Fred. Ted. Yeah, I mean, I mean, and now that this crew member is here, since you say I'm the guy that works with the crew, let me give some advice to uh, Eric, perhaps. Let's if, hear it. I would appreciate that. Tony Henchcliffe giving advice to Eric Olivia. If you want to play producer, if you want to play, oh, we need this guy, because that's what a producer is. Or else, you know, when the, when the, when the deal comes to turn this thing into something where it's not just, you know, Bill, Bill Burr's corner museum whatever this is bill burr's uh playhouse bill yeah. burr's uh uh man cave you know when the contracts come in to make this something bigger you're gonna need to be a necessity and yeah. right now you're the last guy in first guy out you're on south mariposa eating dog food kibbles and bits anyway so i'd say your thing should be following up with Brody, asking if he booked his show for Wednesday. Ask, remembering every day, putting something in your schedule. You can't look at it as you're bothering Brody. You have to look at it as you're pushing him. You're staying yeah. on top of him. You need to be his Zen master. You know, he, I could definitely. He work did. On that. He did text me. I will give Eric credit. He did text me. And he said, "Did you send out the tweet to promote the show?" But he said it right too. Is that uh, that too? That I have to push, and when I don't want to, even when I'm thinking like I'm gonna right. ignore uh, annoy you. Because Eric's fearless. Eric is fearless. He'll, I've seen him with girls like yeah. just beat them down. Yeah, rapey. No, I mean, <laughs> like, thanks guys. He'll ask. He'll go up to Rogan. Say, hey, do you want to do Brody's podcast? Did I mean, you he, say that? No, no, I'm no, saying, no, no. Don't no. you dare. I'm saying. Actually, Argus he, Hamilton wants to book him right now. So he I, would, though, and that's what you need. You, you need someone who's not afraid of no. And I, I mean, I'm not. I wouldn't be like. I wouldn't be nobody, unprofessional about nobody it. Nobody gets told no more than Eric Oligny. Would you admit that the text I sent y'all was professional? I didn't. What do you oh, mean? Yeah. Which text? The text to get you on Brody's podcast. I tried to send you a professional. It was short, concise. I thought you asked me in person. No. No, I sent you a text. But it was, yeah, it was just, it was nothing. Brody, can you pull a Dave Parker for me? I have a card here. He's my favorite. Yeah, that This tec- one you'll know. That text was professional, but then you sent an hour and a half long link over That's here. That's true. That, that screwed it up. But thanks for letting me know, so I'll figure Fucking it out for Abe the Lincoln over here. Okay, here we go. I have a card. I have a, Tony, you may know. Earl will probably know. Well, this is unfair to Tony, because this is from 91, and that's like my wheelhouse. Well, let's like, not unfair, but like you know, that's not your. He era. may not know. I mean, I was uh, I was seven, but I'm 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 I got a pretty powerful brain on me. 
But if you pulled out 1977 cards, I might know them. That would and be. I was seven. Right. So let's just see. Let's just see. Okay. okay. I mean. 1991, I'm holding the card right here. Go ahead, Tony. What's your guess? Wait. Just a player, any player. Eric, let me d do what I do. You just want me to guess uh, the card that you're looking at? Why not? You N might. 1991. Um, Barry Bonds. That's a great guess, but no. I swear, I'm not saying it just because he said this, but I go with Barry Larkin. Ooh. Now, let me tell you something. We'll play this in abbreviated. You're both, you both have good guesses, by the way. You both have good guesses. I want to let you know that. <laughs> there were 800 players in the league. So, it's like, so you said Barry Bonds. No, I, he, Tony said Barry Bonds. I said Barry Larkin, shortstop of the Reds. Okay. Both good guesses. Now you could ask. Now Eric, now you could go ahead and help out. Now you can go. Oh, there we go. You can oh, ask. Geez. Like is, is, you is can ask. He gives the players. Is the initials. reason it's a good guess is because no. both of them are, are named Barry. That's a good question. No, but how about this? The first initial of the card that I pulled out that I'm holding in my hand right now, the letter B. Wow. So it's not Barry, and it's not. Barry Bonds, and it's not Barry Larkin. Can I guess again? Yes, you can. Brett Saberhagen. That's a great That's a guess. Guy. Also, Brett Saberhagen, a Saberhagen from the Valley, Reseda, Cleveland. I went to Reseda. Not Brett Saberhagen, but a good guess. Now, you can also ask questions. What's his background? Is he right-handed? Is he left-handed? Is he African-American? That's my... Uh, national. All these questions. I've got one. A famous Chicago Cubs reliever, Bruce Smith. It's not Bruce Smith. You're thinking of Lee Smith. I'm sorry. Yes. It's not Lee Smith. It's not Bruce Smith. Bruce Smith played for the Bills. Right. Bruce Smith but played they were for the both Bills. Big black guys. This guy is not African American. Mm. Okay. Not African American. Is he a pitcher? Oh, you're playing now. Do you he know just, who it is? He just took a guess. So you're in it. Well, I yeah. thought you just asked me to. Okay, Eric apparently is in the game. Haven't you seen the card? Did Tony. You know? Tony already guessed twice. And so and now you, you can take in. me out. I've guessed twice too. Who did you guess? I meant to say Lee Smith. I said Lee Smith. Smith. No, go good. ahead, Eric. Who do you think? He's seen the card. I saw him go, see the card. You've seen the card. No, I haven't, but go. Go go. No, no. You is, have you seen the card? A ballot in no. Florida. He's lying right now. No. Are you lying? <laughs> no. I hope you don't get it. Go ahead. What's your guess? You know that you're lying right now. Are you why, lying? Wouldn't you, why wouldn't you just admit saying that you see the card? I saw the card. I saw you look well, at the yeah, card. I'm throwing earlier. it over to you. I haven't I'm seen a, the card. Well, then why I'm, are you throwing it over to Tony? You asked to take a guess. Because he knows that he's seen the card, but for some reason he just <laughs> won't tell the truth. Will you oh, admit I, that I, you've seen the card? I've seen the cards. I haven't seen a card. <laughs> I haven't seen the one in your hand. <laughs> it's such a weird thing to lie about. I'm not lying about that. I haven't seen well, the card. Well, let's find out. You want to you you ask a question? Yeah, I get a question. You get a question. I get a question? I asked, is he a pitcher? No. Then that oh. tell you. I, I, oh. I told you I didn't see the card. Um, okay. Uh, let's see. He was not black, so it's a white guy. Um, Maybe not. Paul yeah. Molitor. Maybe he's not white. Paul, could, could be oh, it's B. Enough. It's B. It's uh, not Paul Molitor. Yeah, because it's a B. So. Okay. So, uh, I mean, I'm going to go with uh, Kansas City Royal. Brett, uh, it's not a Kansas City Royal, and it's not Brett. I think I have. You, th I think Earl no, might no, have he, it. He's got to get. I mean, okay, go ahead. I was gonna go with uh, Brett. Uh, 
But now I'm blanking out. Who's the guy? Are that... you thinking Saberhagen? No, Benny, no, Benny, Benny B. Ankalana. <laughs> he's thinking of the shortstop. Um, Brett. Uh, <laughs> George Brett. George Brett. Uh, there you go. I fucked up. I like it. No, Tony. Yeah, yeah. I like where you're Second going bit, with that. Yeah. It's not George Brett. I like. I like that you're playing. You're thinking mm-hmm. outside mm-hmm. of the box. Mm-hmm. I like that effect. Earl feels like he's pouncing, and he could feel because I'm. I have it in my I hand. It. No, it's I'm not, in I don't my even hand. Want to look at the color. It's today. in my hand. What card? It's it 1991. It's 1991. I'm going to say Buddy Bell. That's a good guess. That was last week. I thought you were going to say it when you said that first B. I've got one more B in mind that I'm going to okay. tap out. I'm going to go with uh, Billy Ripken. That's another good guess. I, I'm, I'm impressed by these guesses. Mm-hmm. That's not correct. And he though. has that card with the bat. That, yeah. Uh, I'm going to go Bobby Gritch. Not Bobby Gritch. Eric? Um, such an awkwardness. With yeah, here's the deal. Is he? Think of is this a, a. Is this a famous baseball player? He is famous. Is he a catcher? Yes. Whoa. Uh oh. Is it my turn? Yeah. I th- what, did you? So get- he's a catcher. You may not know a catcher. <laughs> I have two. Oh, he's yeah. not African American. Right. He's right-handed. He's a, a right-handed catcher who is not African American, and you've and and the letter B. Jeez, Louise, I can't believe I can't think of this. Uh, right-handed catcher. Ask another question. Um, what team did he play for? Most notably, yeah, that's a great question. Yeah, the Padres. Earl knows it. I think <laughs> Earl okay. knows it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give it a guess here, and I'm gonna go with. <laughs> Bobby Bonilla. Ooh. Good he's guess. A catcher. He's, he's a, a catcher. catcher. Yeah. Tony may not know that, but that's a good... Uh, you know, any any guess with the B is good. I have it. Who is it? He's not African-American. No, but he's not white either. He's not white. <laughs> I was going to say... Can I say... It's Benito Santiago. Ladies and gentlemen, that's how you play the baseball card game right there. Uh, Benny Santiago on the Ooh, card. put it oh. for short. Right there. The rifleman. Does he get to keep the card? That's how you play the baseball card game. I uh, was going to say um, Bruce Benedict before the, the hints uh, came in. That was... Uh, he was the great catcher for the, for the Braves. Atlanta Braves. So that's how you play the baseball card game. You, and Tony was relentless, relentless, relentless. Earl was like listening. Eric, what was your take on this baseball card game? Successful baseball card game. Why? Uh, a lot of fun, and they both went for it. They both knew baseball, which is really good. And uh, you didn't have to give them the. You didn't have to pretty much give them the answer with them getting it. He got it on but, his own. But here's an example. Here's an example, Eric. You have two guests. You have two <laughs> guests here, and I think that the podcast was great. Did the podcast too. need the baseball card game? Not really. I mean, it was fine. It was fun. I just don't know if my some of these built-in games are necessarily. Um, Why don't you ask the guests? Did you guys enjoy the baseball card game? Yeah, did you guys enjoy it? Honestly, I I really did. I think it was, uh, you know, did we need it? No. Did I enjoy it? Sure. I think it's fun to, uh, you know, use our brains and reflect and have some some loose fun after a serious uh, podcast about pushing yourself, about doing things that you might not necessarily want to do to get where you want to have to be and... 
you know, who better to talk about podcasting and pushing yourself than with two guys like Brody Stevens and Earl Skakel, uh, who, you know, do it, man, you know? And then there's Eric Oligny, who <laughs> you know, is lucky to be in the room with us. Hey, but he'll you. be a better comic or podcast or whatever he wants to do from doing this, like with three, you know, you have a top, top podcast. Brody's a fucking huge presence in the podcasting world, and I'm whatever I am. Like, this will make him better. So he's the most beneficial because he's around three paid regulars, three... Uh, touring comics to varying degrees, TV comics. This will make him a better comic. But really, all the smartest stuff that he really could have learned from was all the conversations we had when he was running late down on South Mariposa. That's true. You got to be on time, dude. Fundamentals. Yeah. You should have been the first one here. You should... She should... Emma. Emma should hate your guts for getting here early and stinking up the place like cigarettes, even though you're not smoking somehow. Like, you smell... Like a full-blown cigarette. And yeah, I, I had a cigarette and, before and I, I came in. And I love, I mean, it's so hard for me because I love cigarettes. Mm-hmm. And I'll I, make sure I don't smell like smoke when I come in here then. Hey, that's part of it, dude. Yeah. But you first impression. Byron Allen's the same way, so I can't go into But Aaron, you came so up to the table. I'm not knocking you. I'm not, I'm not saying anything. You came up to the table, and I was a, a whole whiff of smoke. I could take, I could take it. I, I, I appreciate the advice. It's good advice. And we're just trying to make you the producer that you supposedly want to be. I want to be a great stand-up comic. I, producing, I'm doing this because I believe in Brody's... Pro- I believe in this. I believe well, in you your should, podcast. You should say that you want to be great at everything, dude. Yeah. But, but when to you be say- honest with you, when this show... Get, let's say this show gets picked up by Comedy Central or Netflix or whatever. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, go ahead. It doesn't matter. I love okay. that you laugh at that. Like Whatever network. Okay. The first person that's gone <laughs> is going to be Eric. Not because he's not good at what he does... But they're going to want their own people. You've been on TV shows. I'm not trying. I'm really trying to be helpful. It has to be the thing because, like, they're not going to. The selling point isn't, oh, I need Eric. He's a good guy. He helped me from the beginning. They're going to be like, all right, dude, so do you not want to do this? And Brody's going to be like, no, no, I want to do it. But if Brody's able to literally go, I literally can't do it without him, he's going to really help the people that you hire to actually produce this thing he we can bring him on it maybe as at least an advisor and they're gonna be like well what kind of advice could he give and brody would need to know it's not sell he can't sell you to them these are these are executives they get to watch fucking tv for a living think about their job for just a second think about what they get to do oh i like the netflix exec gets to watch tv all day while on an exercise bike, while eating their favorite yogi and fucking berries and all this shit. They get to just, uh, I like that. We should yeah. buy that and put that on Netflix. They're not going to have some stinky dink tagging along. I'm just saying, Eric, It people notice it. You can accept, you can accept it. You I can try accept. and change I, it. I'm not fighting it. I, I, the one thing that I've learned most importantly at the comedy store is to not be defensive and just to take it and enjoy well i and, disagree and, i don't think you should take it you got to fight back well you've also told me that and i've gotten a little better at that doesn't um, mean argue with people but it, I, that's why i'm try to be funny and fighting back i mean i stick i can't speak for tony but i stick up for myself which is why very few people give me shit because they know if they do they're going to get it back a hundred times worse and you have to like you have to take a stand or else people you'll get bullied especially at the store which is it's Every alpha male in the comedy world is up there. Do I get bullied? 
I let Don push me around sometimes. I mean, I play you with Don. You give it back. You give it back. I'm I do sure give it back. Tony, when he started rising, was giving shit. Who's this guy? And you know, Tony fights back when he has to. And you know, I certainly fight back. You fight back for as much. Uh, material that you have, the new jokes you wrote that week, the work that you do on yourself decides how much you get to fight back. You know what I mean? Does that make sense at all? Yeah. If no. you're getting the work done, if you're doing things, if you're advancing, if you're growing, then you get to fight back. But it, even if you're an open micer, you got to fight back. Uh, you know, I'm sure you've respected maybe someone who did kill Tony, like maybe you gave him a zinger and, and they came back at you. And like, oh, I like this person. Like, mm -hmm. you know, or roast battle. I've seen it a lot, you know, where, uh, you know, sometimes open micers can get bullied up there because they're too meek and, you know, and then they fire back at, you know, a Mike Lawrence or whoever. And then you can tell everyone in the room is like, hey, this person's all right. They like that. Yeah, and then they forget about him 10 minutes later. But <laughs> well, that's true, too. <laughs> <laughs> real quick, I just wanted the, the thing. When you said, like, Eric, we'll wrap this up. You said, I want to be a great comedian. See, I would say, like. I want to be the best comedian I can be. There you oh, go. Geez. That's what he told me I should say. Don't you think that's a, that's better? Like, because the best comedian you could be, you may only be pretty good. You're not going to be great, but that's pretty good. Yeah. I mean, I'm just kind of like, again, it's like performing and saying, do you worry about the other performers? you worry about the audience? you worry about yourself? you want to say you want to be the... It's, it's kind of six and one half Competition does. is healthy. Yes. I've gotten into this. I've had this talk off stage probably more than any other talk. I've, this is the only talk I've had with all my agents, with all, you know, with my manager, with all my comedian friends, with Joe Rogan, with Joey Diaz, with Ari Shafir, all different years, all different months with you probably 30, 40, 50 times. And in the beginning, I remember you telling me, Tony, that's not good. You shouldn't be looking at things that way. And I would go, yeah, Brody, but look, I'm getting better. I'm doing this. I'm, you know, little, it was baby steps at the time, right? Mm -hmm, Nobody mm -hmm. was really, you were one of few people that were taking me seriously six or seven years ago. Mm -hmm. A short list, you, Sam Tripoli, Steve Trevino, the beginnings of Jeff Ross, right? Yeah. It was, it was a very short list. And uh, and you were telling me that then, but I've always sort of been, you know who put it best for me? Was, uh, of all people, one of the youngest human beings that we know, Andy Farrig, of fame from being one of the youngest ever certified agents at CAA. Now his, he's a real manager at Brillstein Entertainment, mm -hmm. just left CAA. This kid, mm -hmm. this phenom, and now he's at Brillstein Entertainment Partners, one of the short, long story short for you listeners, the biggest management company in LA, basically, mm -hmm. right? And when um, I was with him at CAA, and he once told me when I was having a bad day, when I was pissed about something two years ago, I was furious about somebody getting something and this and that, and me getting pushed around and bullied by some exec that didn't want to do, use me for something and wanted to utilize somebody else that didn't have the following and didn't have the credits and did couldn't do the job that I was going to do, blah, 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 right? Perfect example of all this. He referenced um, the Defiant Ones, Jimmy Iovine. Mm -hmm. And at the end of that, Jimmy says, you know, it's like a horse race. You're a horse. You run the race that you can run, sure, but it's still a horse race. And people remember the person that finishes. But in these horse races, they put blinders on the horse so that they can't exactly see what the other horses are doing. Because if a horse sees what the other horses are doing, 
it's going to drive them crazy. They go crazy because they're a fucking animal, just like we are, just mm -hmm. like anyone is, just like all these, you know, happy, sad humans are, whatever. And he talks about, you know, the blinders. And that, that's how we should look at this. Is we it's, should. it's a combination of everything. Blinders, but they still you still know that there's other horses. And when another horse is beating you, when they're you out it. front, you do see it. And you gotta fucking just buckle down and push. So it's a combination of everything. I'd say it's 70-30, maybe 60-40. 60% full-blown competition, try to steal the show, be the best, shoot for the moon, land amongst the stars, whatever, right? And I think it's 40% be the best you could be. But then again, I could also say it's 100% be the best you could be, but it goes both ways. Let me ask one quick question, just talking about when you're opening up. You go on the road, have, still do occasionally with Joe Rogan. You'll go up in front of Joe. Do you have that attitude? Like you want to blow out the room? You want to do a great job to set up Joe to do great? Do you just do, what's your mindset on that as opposed to doing, say, comedy store on a, no, those ones, the ones with Joe where I'm doing a half an hour in front of an arena or mm -hmm. a theater, a, a massive theater, those are those are all the way, all, just full blast. It's no more, it's not, am I going to try this out? It's not this, it's not that. It's all mindset. I'm not even thinking about the jokes I'm going to do. I'm not thinking about making adjustments. Shows like that, it's, this is why I do this every single night, two, three times a night sometimes. That's why I do the hours every weekend, five hours, one on Thursday, two on Friday, two on Saturday. Mm -hmm. Next week, I'm doing 11 shows in five days in Texas, four different cities in Texas, 11 shows, five days. That's just next week. Friday, I'm in a, t a totally, I'm in Massachusetts doing a Kill Tony in a, in a stand-up show, an hour, 15, uh, of me doing stand-up. My friend's going up before me. This is, this is the, then my point is, is I do all that work so that when I do those shows, it's cruise control. It's all about feeling good and just being in the right mindset. It's a different thing. Sure. Do I, I mean, guess what, guess what Joe wants me to do? He wants me to blow him off the fucking stage. Mm -hmm. He wants me to give them their money's worth before he's out there. Of course, that's his whole MO. Who else? Da Joey Diaz he takes with him? Ari Shafir? What are we talking about? Rogan's a freak. That guy gets it more than anybody gets it. Because I don't want to name any names, but there's a lot of big comedians out there that take pussies to open up for them. And you want to know why? Because they want to give the audience their money's worth. They want some schlub to go out there and get them warmed up. And by warmed up, that means make them want me. And I could see that. And it's a whole nother level. The, the Rogan thing is him pushing himself, man. It's, you know, he, yeah. I mean, I, I go on the road with Spade. I've done it. I've done like 20 shows with him. And I go up there and I try to not go off the rails, do my, give them my, my good bits play around but i'm not trying to like make some statement i'm not trying to like i'm not trying to blow the roof off i'm just trying to do i try to get my jokes pepper boom 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 do my job i feel like when i'm headlining then i'll do the drumming i'll do the more i'll push it more but with when i'm going with david i'll shake him get him going but i do my jokes i feel like i'm a comedian i for me i feel like I'm still myself but i'm not trying to crush or 
make a name. Headlining, I'm much more deliberate. During my long sets, I'm much more, maybe we should format this here. This next show, I'm going to move that to the back middle, and I'm going to open with that, because that will establish the, for, this, for this thing later on. Right. All the work is done there. All the refining those bits is done at the comedy store. Mm-hmm. And the debuting, the new stuff happens in the middle of headlining sets, but it really happens on, that's why I put my name in that bucket on Mondays. Not many, I mean, there's, you know. You're in there, I was in there, I got number six this yeah. week. Did you put your name in the oh, bucket? Every week. You gotta put You gotta put in the work. Yep. If you don't. So is that, well, you, well, you would go out with Rob Schneider, we'll wrap this up here in a sec, but. Oh, he sells wh- out everywhere. Were, what was your mindset going up there, just to do your job, do your jokes, set, have him? I just like to set the table up. I want david to do well i want david to have a good time i want me to do my jokes be likable and show that i it's uh i mean yes i should be headlining doing my own stuff places but i feel like i do a good professional job and i feel like i'm not selling out and i'm not being a little bitch or anything like that i get to be myself still but But now it's different like because the podcasting there are a few people in the room to see tony to see like when I was opening up for Rob, there was no one there to see me because I was pretty unknown. Mm-hmm. Uh, so back then, I was like, I just want to set the table for Rob, you know, so he can just walk out on stage and right. he's going to kill no matter what. If I bomb, do well, or anything in between. But night now, there would be a few people in there to see me. So I would want to. Don you know, was saying that Dice would send him out purposely just to bomb right before. But that's because no one knew who Don was at that time. Yeah, and he would purposely tell him to get the crowd mad at him. I mean, that's what I did on my special. I had Don go out before when I taped my my special in the main room, my late night special. It wasn't late enough yet, and it wasn't weird enough yet. So I felt we got to put some weirdness out there. Don, could you go out there and shake things up? So Don went out there and kind of shook it up a little bit. So I get that. Um, I had Joey Diaz go up before my, my, me and my special. Cool. Talk about shaking things up. Yeah. yeah I mean, he opened crazy. up a 7 p.m. show at the Ice House. It was 100 degrees outside. Saturday, 7 p.m. show. We had one show. One shot. One camera. And you did it. One set. One shot. And it one happened. star. One star. <laughs> See, how did that work out for you just then? You're laughing. I, Look I, at the professionals he said go, around he you. Said go attack. He said go attack when you have to No, attack. I didn't say attack, but... <laughs> difference what you just did tony didn't attack you at all and you zinged him yeah why'd you do that why'd you do that that, i I would have said attack tony if tony started ripping into i don't know your act or whatever i know Mm. but like you know you got to know when to uh when to bring put the foot on the gas and you know Mm. i mean we're all busting Uh, your balls but that was a like a a direct that was a cheap shot and and what possessed you to do that but here's what i would say and they don't even use the star rating anymore no they don't which is even stupid or so but to people who criticize any special tony's special your special get one on air first and then you can criticize someone else's special how dare they for sure that's always been the thing with me and i've never even said that out loud like it's like all those kids and the roast battles and things like that when they take a shot at the throne i never even say that because i feel like it's always gone without saying but it really it really doesn't i think it's important for everyone to know like Almost everyone thinks everybody's specials are horrible because we're used to seeing them in the in the in the, the raw realness. Like uh-huh. specials 
you can t- when you're a comedian you can tell where the sounds dubbed and where they juice up the audience laughter a lot of people have no idea that specials are usually they tape four shows of someone wearing the same t-shirt and jeans mm-hmm. sometimes five sometimes six by three, the way three cameras with crowd with crowd reactions more than three and the crowd reactions are usually the opener they take those cameras and they spin them around yep. so most of the laughs you see on a lot of people's specials are actually the person that opened for them getting those laughs and then they take the cameras put them on the right tracks for the actual performance and then they take all those shows and find the best pot the, the where it went the best for each bit for each moment for each shot and then they juice up the audio and lately especially i've been noticing how fake the audio is like you can tell they have people just dying at setups it just doesn't feel real it doesn't make any they were sense. talking about that yesterday that, that they showed people's faces where they're looking upset that they're hearing jokes just use a laugh just, track well that i mean that's the whole thing you see these specials and you go i, I mean because i've done you know work tons of audience warm-ups also and you know that yeah they the audience i always look at the audiences in the background yeah. you know and they're always like just fake or you see the comedy specials and you know <laughs> they're laughing they're like <laughs> you could tell they're, uh, you know, they captured it ahead of time. And when I did my special, I didn't want any of that. I had maybe one crowd shot reaction. My whole goal was to make my particular special just capture the night of those late night main room spots that I got. And I felt like I captured that specific night and overall captured the my mindset on those late night sets. So um, that was my special, but... I could see why they do that. They juice them up and they do it's tricks. It's bad, for, bad for comedy. But I don't it's like really it. bad. Could be one of the downfalls, by the way, eventually down all the, the road. specials, all well, the great no. specials. And you go see a live and it's like, this isn't what it was. It's not just all. Yes, all the specials, but it's really just making a bad special look and sound good is the worst thing you could do. Yeah. The worst thing you could do. A lot of things fell flat on one shot. And, um, you know, it's uh, it's uh, it was a hot day. It was a 7 p.m. show. It was almost all the audience had seen me multiple times. I'm an L.A. guy running my first seven or eight years of everything I had written that was the best hour and doing it. So everybody had seen those bits before, without a doubt. Um, Do you feel like you wish you would have waited a little, like maybe nope. two or three years? Nope, not at all. Okay. No. But because now I have... He's got another one coming. Yeah, You're going to do another one. Yeah, oh, that's I great. a Congrats. full new I mean, hour and to, a half. Yeah. yeah. Um, because of that, because of doing, making my own special back then and getting it out then was priceless. When, when, when we talk about saturation on Netflix, I mean, it is not a joke. If you're not the guy, the guy, the guy, and to be the guy or the girl right now, you have to be so famous. It's ridiculous. You're, we're competing now... With at, Adam Sandler. With everything that made me laugh as a kid adam sandler Steve david Martin. letterman jerry seinfeld Norm dave McDonald. chappelle all of these people that were monsters when i was a kid that supposedly retired oh no more seinfeld no more letterman no letterman's final episode uh dave chappelle what a what an icon he retired out on top <clears throat> Steve Martin and Martin Short. That was yeah. another great one. Now they're doing 15 minute specials. Like, what is that? Oh, they are? Oh, yeah. So, like, now so they're just, I mean, 
squeezing yeah. what they can and like a special isn't very special anymore That's right what, now are you gonna speaking of specials are you gonna do a special earl uh, you know i'm very lucky to uh <coughs> have the guns and roses first manager is working with me on it and this girl knows her shit hey. like she's the one who got them signed to geffen records and like they would not have made it without this girl so so you're gonna get the yeah you need to get a special out there I mean, I do, but like, I also think, wow, what's it gonna do? Like, there's so many out there. Like, but just to do it, or maybe oh, an al- or, or an album. Would yeah, you, would I you want film, a special. Would you film it outside LA for like a better audience? No, I'm gonna do it in LA, but it's so like, with the LA audiences. You know, I want it to be different looking, like different environment, not a club. Different, different. You know, might be outdoors at a wacky party. Might be in a mansion with a big, you know, ballroom, like something stupid. And, She's like, well, maybe we can get Slash to come in and do something. You know, just I want like a freak show. Like, well, you could do that, but you have to be different now because there's so many specials of just a comic on stage, and a, like we've all been talking about a canned audience with you know a laugh track essentially. So they all look the same, so they're all forgettable. Um, Sam, so. Sam's Viper Room one was really good, but that's the, yeah, that's something different. It was fun like, to watch. You know, me and Tony on roast battled. People remember us the most because. You know, we did it in a different way other than just uh, Tony is this and yeah. Jimmy Carr is this. We did it where you have to be memorable now. Yeah. There's just too much out there. But being memorable, how do you be memorable? Is it by being yourself and feeling it? I mean, some people just aren't memorable. I mean, some people aren't. You know, you have to, uh, it has to be in you to be different. It's got to be in you. You have to believe, man. You do. And, you know, you really do. You have to believe. You have Push to- and believe. You have to be delusional, but your delusion has to be based in reality. Like, it would not be realistic for me to think I could play in the NBA at 50 when I've never really played basketball before. But to get a good special out is relatively realistic. Yeah. You got the podcast. You got the stand-up spots. You've got dying up here. Well, I did have I'm dying up here. You have 10 more minutes, Brody. 10 more minutes of what? Until 420. Man, it's crazy. Like when you, you just lifting your hand up, like when you look at your clock, like I got a whiff of cigarette just then. It's like amazing. (laughs) It's pretty, it it scares me. That's not good. Because it's like, this is what, that that's what I used to smell like. Well, yeah, Eric. I mean, and now you're making me really want to quit because that doesn't fe- that doesn't feel. Well, no, good. I, I they see. I everything I do makes you better. Eric. Yeah, yeah. You, yeah. You, you've definitely made me a great, a better comic than I was seven years ago by far. Yeah. Like I've definitely pushed myself harder. You're because you're quicker. I mean, look at this group um, in here. You have to be quick with Brody's wackiness, Tony's biting humor, and my whatever I bring. You know, you've got to be on your toes at all times. For the last two hours, you've been on your toes. Because what's Tony going to say about me? What's Earl? Is he going to dig at me? Is is Brody going to say something? Is Emma going to c- come in with the zinger? You know, and <laughs> well, you, will make do you remember you're talking about going on the OR stage? How terrified you are, and like that was me around Tony. I'm always terrified around Tony. But that's good to be terrified. It's like we, um, me and Tony had a conversation a couple of weeks ago about jealousy, and it's like it's good to be jealous of people because it inspires you to want to. Get it means that you want more. Yeah. And it's it means be- that you're taking yourself seriously for being mm-hmm. up for a position like that. And if you take yourself seriously, other people will. But if you treat yourself like a goddamn ashtray yeah. on South Mariposa, <laughs> my God. Yeah, dude, you got to get the 1. right 1.6 miles. See, Eric, you, you have some opportunities. You just have to tighten it up on some things. You no, know? And I, I really do appreciate and you saying it. it's not you. It's the way you were raised. You know that uh, country bumpkin, Tampa, Florida, inbred family. No, so come on, my my family only had sex 
No drink the family members. Drink all, all the soda pop you want. All these bad habits. I came from that, dude. Were you nursed with it. moonshine? <laughs> no GPS, so he didn't know what strawberry wine. Was I mean, Eric, let's be honest. No satellite on the GPS. <laughs> like you just found out two weeks ago. Starbucks had a drive-through. You didn't know that. No. Starbucks, not a Starbucks. Starbucks, the corporate. <coughs> what goes the whole on? Company. At, what goes on at four twenty? Why? Why is that? Why do we have to quit it? Uh, they they have another podcast. Oh, you on. think it's a pot thing? No, I just, it was a very specific. I talked guy. to Emma a few minutes ago. Or Who's the next podcast? Eddie Pepitone. Uh, Eddie oh, Pepitone. King Pepitone. And he'll be, uh, he'll be on here November 21st as one of your guests with okay. Sam Tripoli. Wow. With Sam, I got another double podcast. And then you also have Matt Edgar and Benji Oflalo next week. Ooh, doing man. Those are good guests. Benji's yeah. doing the runaround. I got Benji and Esther on Kill Tony on Monday. There you go. Enjoy it. Alone together. Connections. There you go. And I was in the pilot. So there's a lot of... Uh, a lot of good things happening. I'll tell you what. I think this podcast, once uh, once I got out of the, did the two-minute monologue, once we got into it, it was pretty much smooth sailing. Tony was awesome. Earl was awesome. Eric, you did a good job. Thank you. I think you need to focus on drinking water and not being seen with soda. Quit smoking. I think a lot of water would really help you. Yeah. I, I look dehydrated all the time. Well, we. I mean, I'm guilty of it, too. Again, we're not all that different. You're afraid of me because I am the ultimate challenge for you. You want to be this, Eric. Oh, I definitely admire you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, Eric, um, you're working hard. Look, funny you should ask. I picked up for season two. Leslie Jones is doing well. You've opened on the road for Bill Dawes and Reno. Featured for Bill. There you go. So. Slowly but surely, but I'm just saying, Eric, all the other stuff, um, I would just say tighten it up a little bit. Today would be you're running a little bit late. This is an opportunity. You have Tony here. You have Earl here. I'll make no excuses. I'll just get it fixed next time. Get fixed? What's broken? Said, I'll fix it. What are you going to get spayed and neutered? I'll just got to leave earlier now. Well, I think the thing that's confusing people is that you've been here like three times before today. So. No, this is my second time coming, but uh, the... I got South Mariposa on my GPS for. Is there a Z in it? Mariposa. Mariposa. <laughs> Mariposa. Mariposa. So you got Mariposa, lost. Mariposa. But even it, just say you've been, been here once, like I don't know how you got. Well, I, I knew I, right I, away. I was like, I'm not in the right place because I don't see where it doesn't look familiar. For example, I got here 20 minutes early, but I walked in at 2 p.m. You want to know why? Because I was starving. Because I work so hard that one of the things that i have trouble with is remembering to eat me too and i uh i was 20 minutes early so i drove by at 140 to be here at two and i go you know what i think i can grab some food and still make it here by two and i'm and i go to uh, casitas tacos al carbon which was literally a place that was saving my life 13 years ago when I moved here. Mm-hmm. I mean, I used to get that grande burrito that I got today for the first time in at least 12 or 13 years. And uh, hit the spot. And I mean, it hit the spot. I had a bottle of Coca Cola because I'm just like, you know, a white trash junkie <laughs> like you. And, uh, and uh, you know, um, it I threw it back, but guess what? When I'm coming over that last speed bump, I'm looking at my clock the whole time because it still says 159, and I'm thinking to myself, I fucking did it again. I nailed it. I'm not the garbage human that I used to be. 
I'm a professional and it feels good every goddamn time, no matter how big of a deal, no matter how small of a deal, whether it's a podcast or a taping or a writing session or a anything, a stand-up spot. Because be when, when you get busier, it doesn't get better. You think, you think, you think Adam goes, uh, Eric, you're about to go on stage. Joey Diaz is wrapping up. You're next. And, uh, where are you? I'm on South Mariposa. What do you think he's going to, oh, well, let's hold up the show for you. Nope. Bumped. You're done. Yeah. So get it together. Yeah. I was going to say like a lot of stresses in life is running late. Yeah. But it's not easy. Um, and the, and the truth is I'm, I'm not, a, I usually am a person who arrives 15 minutes late because you're not 15 minutes late. If you're not 15 minutes early, you're 15 minutes late. That's what I meant. I'm fi- arrive, arrive you just 50, said you arrived 15 minutes late. I meant late. to say 15 minutes early. Um, the only problem was, uh, Western was Western had traffic. Like, they had it what all happened to the off. no excuses? Just do it better next time. I'm going to do it better next time. Western had traffic? What's going on here? It always has traffic. But LA, no, no, they blocked LA off. Has traffic. They blocked off Western where the 101 is. So it took like an extra 10 what to 20 of, minutes. Did you have paper maps that you're using? <laughs> I use worst ways apps, as Tebow would say. Do you have that far thing on your phone? Can you just. Um, but usually off? I am on time. The it's sound not, effects aren't a, working. A, a <laughs> I'm begging you to play. Just you have one to uh, far. turn yeah, thing yeah, up. Yeah, sound effects theaters. It's not Emma. I have it plugged in. Close the app and restart it again after turning that thing Emma, on. Emma just ran out of the room. There's Emma. Emma. No, it's all good. Emma, I don't think, let me see. I don't know if the sound effects you was... You close the app and reopen it. I did. I oh, close okay. and read open. Let's see what happens here. here. It'll work now. Um, Tony, awesome job. Thank you. Can you do I f- know my podcast stuff, Brody. Can you do the fart thing just once? I just need a good laugh. The fart thing? The fart. I don't know if I have the fart. You used to do that at the comedy store. I did, right? Yeah. Did that hurt your ear? I'm sorry. It's powerful. I didn't mean to hurt your ears there. I'm sorry. I don't have a fart machine on this one right, right now. Yeah. Uh, I'm a good guy. I don't have a fart machine. Yes. Wrecked him. I said killed him. You got it. I went to Whole Foods and got a half chicken. <laughs> hey, come here, little buddy. Come here. Come oh here. My God. Yeah, so I yeah, I've got a lot of got a Run. lot. Hello. It's hard to do sound of but you know what? I could probably get into it another time. I think it was good that we did the Can uh, I plug a few dates and you do sound effects after each one? Yeah. Okay, here we go. Okay, this Friday I'm doing Kill Tony in Swansea, Massachusetts. That's Kill Tony East, uh, live from Swansea. That's right between Providence and Boston. So it is Kill Tony East live from Swansea this Friday with a huge stand-up show after that. And then all next week, San Antonio, Texas, Houston, Texas, Austin, Texas, Fort Worth, Texas, 11 shows in five days. It is Kill Texas with Kill Tony, the entire unit, Jeremiah Watkins, Brian Lights Out Red Band, and Joel Berg, Joel Jimenez will be with me. The entire band, amazing opportunities and guests. No, no, Tony, I didn't mean that. Sorry. If you have a uh, if you have a silly sound, here's an interesting one coming up at the end of November. My final road gig of the year until New Year's Eve. It is Magoobie's Joke House, <laughs> Magoobie's in Timonium. Yes, Magoobie's. It's actually a famous, popular club that I've never done before. But Dom Herrera oh. says it's the best. And then. <laughs> To close out the year, I'm staying in L.A. for all of December, but New Hold Year's on, Eve, 2018, 2019, Dallas, Texas, 
has Tony Hinchcliffe doing two stand-up shows live from Hyenas Comedy Club, one of the most famous comedy clubs in the world, and uh, a lot of other fun things happening. Kill Tony is every Monday at the Comedy Store live. Pre-order your tickets because we have been filling up the main room, which is a goddamn anomaly. If you're wondering, hey, I wonder how many weekly shows fill up the main room of the Comedy Store. None. It's never happened before. So make sure you pre-order your Kill Tony tickets. I'll even I'll even tease this right now. London, England. I'm going there oh, February I'm... 2019. Oh, I'll be in Seattle. You're going to get a week of Tony Hinchcliffe shows. The Soho motherfucking theater. Tony Hinchcliffe, London, England, for the first time ever, live, running my new hour and a half. Never seen before. Influenced by Brody. He gets me. He pushed me. When nobody else believed in me, this guy has an eye for potential, an eye for talent. He gets it all the way. He pushes. He (laughs) believes. He's here for you. He's here for me. 818 till he dies. And I'm with him till he cries. Yeah, You got it. Awesome job. That was awesome job, Tony. That was awesome job. Play the gunshot noise. Here's a gunshot. Here, full volume. Prepare for the gunshot. TonyHinchcliffe.com for tickets. Yes. <laughs> that was awesome. I can't totally... Uh, you don't have a fart thing on there? I don't have a fart There's machine. It's gotta be a fart with all those noises. I'm begging you. But here's dude. the thing: when you, I mean, they do have fart somewhere on here. <laughs> me... One thing you had in the store would make me laugh every time. I had the fart machine. I'm sure I'd eat pepitone. I had the fart well. machine. Yeah. I can't find it. I remember when you had the Brody app and Jeremiah Watkins, and you would play in the main. That was fun. That was a fun one. Yes, you got it. My name is Stephen Brody Stevens. Oh, but somebody's calling me. Oh. You should answer it. Yeah. Hello? Hello, Brody. It's, it's me, Daisy. <laughs> oh, Daisy, good to see you. How, how are you? Uh, you're at the the borders right now. Yes, I'm at the border. There's a bunch of caravans. Everything's crazy. <laughs> oh, really? Yes. What's behind you? That's supposed to be a door closing. A border <laughs> Wait. Daisy, why are you around monkeys? Uh-oh, watch out. All right, listen, uh, the sound effects theater, look, Tony, I like that you're playing around with that. Puts me in the spirit. Should Earl promote his? Okay, yeah, it's Earl's. Yeah, here's the deal. Uh, Earl, what do you got going on? Uh, The jellies on Adele Swim coming Sunday nights. Sunday nights coming right at you like a strike. Tyler, the creator. You got a Tyler, the creator song you could play. Tyler creator is going to be at Dodger stadium this weekend. He's doing a big festival. I'm going to go check it out. <laughs> and post Malone's going to be there. Moses Malone. Post Malone, oh. the, the rapper. I'd rather see Moses. Wait, hold on. There's something going on. Eric, your car's outside. Eric, go get your car. It's at South Mariposa. Yeah. Listen, um, great podcast today. Eric, where can we see you? Uh, and we'll be back next week. No, I'm playing. I'll be in, uh, I'll be in Phoenix on Thursday doing Mike Turner and Anwar's show. Um, they, you helped me get that when we were in All Things Comedy. There um, you go. They were on your podcast. And then I'll also be at the Tempe Improv this weekend uh, doing a guest spot for Ian Bag. Oh, you worked your way into that show. Yep, the bag man. Enjoy it. Bag, good guy. All right. I've always said, uh, I've always said, 
that you'd make a great bag boy. <laughs> Tony, awesome. Thank you. Earl, awesome. Thank, Thank you. you. Eric, good job. Thank you. Stephen Brody Thank Stevens, you, All Things Comedy. Check us out. Every week, uh, Stephen Brody Stevens, Festival of Friendship. Yes!